Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Square Circle Wrestling Podcast. I am your host, uh, Stefan Bennett. Uh, without Andy, Andy is on his hollybobs. He's away having a well-deserved break with uh, his family. But I can't do this alone. No, 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 no. I have brought in the best replacement for this week possible. <laughs> he is co-owner of United Kingdom Pro Wrestling. Uh, he's also known to UKPW fans as that dastardly Dow Jones guy. It is Alex Gilbert. Welcome, Alex. Hello, sir. Hello. Thanks for having me. Well, it's uh, unfortunately, is, uh, and I know Andy and I hate to start off our shows this way. It's been a very sad week in the world of uh, British wrestling as uh, we lost our true pioneer, um, Brian Dixon. Uh, many people in the world of British wrestling will be familiar uh, with Brian. Um, it was reported uh, by Progress Wrestling sending out uh, a, t- a tweet uh, this week uh, stating that last night the world of wrestling lost one of its best and longest reigning promoters, Brian Dixon, the founder of All Star Wrestling, the oldest promotion in the UK, which launched the careers of many British wrestlers. Thoughts go out to Brian's family and friends. Brian began his ring career as a referee before launching All Star under its original name of Wrestling Enterprises. His first event was a show in Marple, Cheshire, which saw his future wife, the blonde bombshell, Miss Mitzi Mueller, face Hellcat Haggerty in the main event. Wrestling superstars have also shed their condolences along social media on the passing of this legend. Uh, British legend and WWE going to be a Hall of Famer, no doubt. William Regal has uh, took to social media to say, I'm very saddened to hear of the passing of British promoter Brian Dixon. Without Brian from November 1986, then I'll put you against someone better than you every night. And many other major things he taught and helped me with. I wouldn't have had the charmed life. Rest well, or old, uh, old rogue. Stu Bennett, uh, of, uh, also known as Wade Barrett in WWE, also added, sad to wake up to the news of UK promoter Brian Dixon has passed away. I remember how excited I was to be hired by Brian in early 2006 only for me to reward him with the worst match in the history of professional wrestling. Thankfully, he stuck with me, and the reps I got on the All-Star Wrestling Show circuit gave me the springboard to get noticed by WWE and further my career in the US. Brian always conducted business as a professional, which was almost unheard of in that era of the UK scene. One of the biggest contributors to UK wrestling in the history and so many of us owe him a debt of gratitude. Thank you, Brian. Zaya Brookside, the daughter of Liverpool's Robbie Brookside, said, I'm heartbroken to the man that gave me my start in wrestling from the all-star cheerleader to my first run on the camps, to welcoming me back with open arms when I lost my contract, but most importantly, for treating me like family for the last 24 years. I love you, B. Blackpool Comeback Club's Brian Danielson, who worked for All-Star Wrestling in the 2000s, Commented on Dixon's uh, commented on Dixon's passing during the AEW Double or Nothing post show media press conference, saying, "I just heard that. I don't know. Midday. It makes me really sad." Daniel said. Danielson said Dixon provided him with an opportunity to earn a full time living from wrestling after he was initially let go by WWE in 2001. The American Dragon revealed that he made fifty pound per show and would wrestle multiple times per week. Danielson added that if Dixon had paid him a little more money when he returned to All-Star Wrestling in 2003 than he would have stayed longer and never left. 
Danielson said he couldn't thank Dixon enough having returned to wrestling for the promotion again in 2005 and then again in 2008. He concluded his comments about Dixon by saying he was grateful for him and that he was sad to learn that he had passed away. During this time performing for All-Star Wrestling, Danielson wrestled as the American Dragon and as the Dynamic Dragon. He captured the ASW World Middleweight Championship in 2003, defeating James Mason, a man we all know well, in a tournament final match at Fairfield Halls in Croydon, England. Danielson wrestled various notable names whilst working for the promotion, including Doug Williams, Robbie Brookside, Dean Allmark, Johnny Storm and Gangrel. His final match for All-Star Wrestling came in July 2008, where he defeated Kid Cool in singles bout. And again, everyone here at uh, Square Circle Wrestling Podcast, pass on our condolences to the family and friends of Brian Dixon. Um, I mean, for someone who runs a UK promotion, Alex, um, you know, we've all heard the name Brian Dixon. I mean, did we, were you lucky to have met Brian? I was. I was able to do uh, one sort of circuit with him during a uh, like a half term week. Um, tons. I mean, that man had unbelievable amounts of experience. And I don't think I mean, you did a great job reading all those things out. But I think that only scratches the surface of yeah. exactly how much that man has contributed to British wrestling. Um, so it's a big loss for everyone. And again, thoughts go out to everyone that knew him, really. Uh, absolutely, you can echo what you said, and um, yeah, it, go, it goes to show. You know, when uh, we see these gentlemen when they pass away, it's lovely to hear those who have got massive history, especially when they start out uh, under guys like Brian Dixon, that they always remember and can speak up and share those memories and stories with everyone. Um, because you know, the great superstars that they've become of this generation, you know, they owe a lot of that back to Brian, the opportunities that he gave them. So, um, yeah, it's very, very sad to, to start um, this show with that sad news. Okay, so we're going to take a brief little break because next back is the top five with Newsline. Okay, this is Newsline, and we're starting off with uh, some news coming out from Nick Khan from WWE, who's been speaking about potential uh, programming changes uh, to our weekly programming in WWE. He was a guest on the JP Morgan Global Technology Media and Communications Conference. And during his talk, he brought up that the uh, 10 p.m. hour for Raw is under consideration for some adjustments that would appear to be. To, uh, towards a more ad adult audience. He confirmed they are still in the exclusive negotiating window with NBC Universal on renewal rights for Monday Night Institution, while they are now out of that window with Fox. Those windows began during WrestleMania 39 weekend in early April. It's currently unknown what other entities have shown interest as of now. Khan has continued to remain bullish on the TV rights interest for both properties from both broadcast and streaming entities. He gave no indication uh, as to when a deal could be done either uh, with any of the interested party. Uh, there is currently no rush for it to be done, and they want to do what is best to maximise the value for WWE. In a talk last week, Khan said that they would be open for SmackDown moving off of Friday nights while referencing how Amazon is attempting uh, to programme specific 
nights of the week for their prime streaming service. He said Tuesday their content could be any night of the week, mentioning how Raw could also potentially move from Mondays. WWE Endeavor's uh, UFC are expected to merge in the second half of this year to form a new publicly traded company called TKO. The deal has to pass uh, regulatory measures uh, first in order to do that. Other interesting notes that were brought up was that Khan said he feels NXT could now be its own third brand with more crossover from Raw and SmackDown and be more than just a developmental brand. He also said that more content could be coming with an additional show on another night of the week. He said, once all all of the TV rights get uh, situated, we'll look at other nights of the week to develop new content as well. Some of the new content could be more adult-themed to satisfy the audience who is looking for it. In talking about the future UK TV rights, Khan mentioned they have over 150,000 WWE Network subscribers at uh, $10 per month in the region. He said that the goal for every pay-per-view or premium live event, as they call it, to have a site uh, subsidy fee like Cardiff Wales with Clash of the Castle and Backlash in Puerto Rico. He said they see spikes on both Peacock and YouTube for older events in the lead up to new events, for example, WrestleMania. Also, sticking with Nick Khan, he's teasing that WWE Week are potentially looking at more international live events for 2024. Speaking again on the same show, uh, JP Morgan's uh, Global Technology and Media Communications Conference, he discussed the company's efforts to expand its international offerings for premium live events, or as we call it here, pay-per-views. Khan stated that WWE has begun negotiations with foreign countries to organise shows that can be broadcast via the company's existing media agreements. Khan said, we're in conversations now with a lot of international cities about doing 2024 shows there. Also, part of the intent is to match those up with our media rights. And even if they're not up to uh, over deliver for incumbent partners who uh, can then invite their partners to the international city to the event and host them, it's good for our overall business. So it's looking like 2024 uh, is going to be an interesting one for international shows. I mean, we do know, Alex, that they've been talking about going back to Australia. Um, We know Impact, uh, we mentioned it uh, last week, Impact are going to be doing a tour over in Australia. Uh, It's been a while since WWE have held uh, one of their shows over there. Um, So it'll be interesting to see if the UK... Uh, get an offering, especially with AEW securing uh, Wembley for um, All In this year. So that one will be an interesting one. Um, A guy that never seems to stay out of the headlines is (laughs) CM Punk. Uh, CM Punk uh, promoted AEW's upcoming collision show uh, by posting uh, the image graphic on his Instagram account after last night's Double or Nothing pay-per-view. But this one had a photoshopped images of his buddy Dan Housen. Well, I love Dan. Love that Danhausen, and he tagged <laughs> other AEW stars like Miro, Powerhouse Hobbs, Malachi Black, Julia Hart, Dax Harwood, and Cash Wheeler. All of those names are expected to be regulars on the show. Tickets have sold well for the first Collision show, but well below the pace they sold at. Uh, for the first time AEW went to the United Centre for Punk's debut with the company. Now, with Punk promoting the show, this may lead to an uptick in the ticking sales, which seems to be the intended goal. AEW Collision will debut Saturday, June 17th on TNT and will air live most weeks in that time slot. Um, you know, I, I make this point every time, and uh, and I think Andy agrees, is you know, whether you love him or hate him, Punk sells. He, he sells tickets. It, you know, uh, where are you with punk these days? Uh, what's your? 
Uh, I mean, I love the man. He's a hero of mine, and I appreciate a lot of people aren't keen on him. Uh, but although I am a little bit bitter because I went to Forbidden Door last year with the intention of seeing CM Punk as champion in Chicago. I was desperate for that vibe. And then, of course, nonsense and injuries and things happened. Uh, so I never got to see it. So I'm excited that he's back because there's another chance I could go to Chicago and experience CM Punk as a champion. You could see CM Punk walking in at Wembley Stadium, walk out at Wembley Stadium as well. Even better. Even better. (laughs) Okay. Uh, A bit of surprising news, which actually broke during Double or Nothing. It is that Tay Mello and Sammy Guevara are expecting their first child. Um, When uh, Sammy made his entrance uh, for his Fatal 4-Way World Championship match between himself, Jungle Boy, Darby Allin and MJF, Guevara did the cue and gimmick and revealed that Tay is pregnant and they are going to have their first baby. Tony Schiavone noted that Tay had not been wrestling in recent weeks and this was the reason why. Congratulations to them from everyone here at Squared Circle Podcast. Uh, They get a lot of heat, um, don't don't they? Uh, I mean, I don't know if you've uh, had the time to watch the All Access, the AEW All Access show. Um, There's a a lot of it's focused uh, on Sammy Guevara and Tay uh, we've just had uh, them covering Tay's rivalry with uh, Ruby Soho and the fact that where um, she was becoming a little bit disillusioned with not getting booked very often. Um, and Sammy, you know, also in a similar thing where it's like he puts on a great match and then he's not booked. Um, you know, so, um, yeah, we're not going to see Tay wrestle for uh, a little while, but for the best reason possible. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this this is an interesting one which I, I found brilliant and I had to call this one. Gangrel, former WWE superstar Gangrel, recalled a very terrifying moment that took place at WrestleMania 15. In an all-exclusive for Wrestling News, uh, Steve Fall met, uh, spoke with the former WWE ch- uh, star um, and... At the time, Gangrel was the leader of the faction we we know as the Brood, uh, which was during the Attitude Era. Um, Now, this is what he said. It was regarding the Hell in a Cell match between The Undertaker and Big Boss Man. And this is what Gangrel recalls. He said it was at WrestleMania weekend, and you get a memo saying you're not on WrestleMania, but you get a memo also saying that you have a rehearsal on on Saturday morning. You're like, rehearsal? What have you got rehearsal for? We're not even in WrestleMania, what did they do? Add something? So you kind of get excited. You head down to the first union center, uh, wherever in Philly there, and they say, oh, hey, you guys need to come from a ceiling. You look up and you can't even see the ceiling. It's so far away. What are you talking about? You're going to come from the ceiling. What what do you mean? So they said, yeah, you're going to come down to... uh, down uh, with this harness on top of the cage. You're going to peel it up up and hang the big boss man. I said, we're going to hang big boss man from the ceiling. I was more concerned about the ceiling part. And man, it was scary. It was terrifying. Now, if I do recall correctly, this segment's actually cut from the network uh, edition of WrestleMania 15 because mm. it was very controversial at uh, that moment. If anyone's seen it, um, it was quite difficult to, to watch, um, especially when a superstar had, has since passed. Um, but it was one of those big shocking moments. I remember watching it the, the day after it happened and just thinking, uh, okay, well, did, did they literally just hang this guy? Like, you, you know? Um, 
but yeah, it's uh, it goes to show, doesn't it? It's just how crazy some of these ideas. And I mean, some people turn around these days and go, "Oh, WWE would never do that." But you always seem to think, mm, "Have you not forgotten the sort of stuff that WWE have done or even suggested, which has come public?" I mean, talking about doing an incest angle between Stephanie and Vince, you know, things like that, and the you know the Katie Vick storyline, to name a couple. I mean, it's. It, I got to spend uh, hours with Vince Russo, who was writing those stories at the time, yeah. and he was obsessed with the phrase "moments." I want to create moments. People don't remember matches. I can't do the impression. It's like, bro, 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 bro. People don't remember matches. They remember moments. <laughs> and it, I sort of get what he's when you look at especially wrestlemania 15 yeah can't i mean okay austin rock fine i kind of get it but you don't necessarily remember the match you remember the feud you yeah. remember the moments of him holding the belt and I, I can sort of see where he's coming from there but as you say stefan what stuff hit the cutting room floor if that's what we saw what ideas were pitched and people went ah no no way <laughs> that can't be done it makes you really think that that whole thing about being a fly on the wall during certain yeah. meetings and stuff. Like, what could you take away from those uh, if if uh, if you could uh, infiltrate those meetings? I mean, that's just absolutely insane. Um, but yeah, Vince Russo. Oh, Vince Russo. What was it like with Vince He's Russo? Actually, one of the nicest people I ever 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 had the pleasure of doing anything with it it was he came to the uk to do a few a few things but there was like a, a seminar that he was running and it was a booking seminar and it was fascinating because about a year later jim Cornette also did the same thing and for me hilariously it was in the same building that the russo thing had happened and the polar opposite opinions and it was just funny recalling like Cornette would say one thing and then my brain would go, but Russo said the complete opposite last time. So you can see why those two do not get on at all. Oh dear. That's, uh, yeah, no, I'd, I would have liked to have met Russo and picked his brains on a few things. I'm, I'm sure he's got some great stories. I know he's uh, one of those, you either love him or hate him sort of characters in the world of wrestling. Mm -hmm. But I think sometimes you seem to forget, you know, how much certain people have done that you appreciate what they've done. Because, I mean, like it or not, he, he was responsible for some of the best uh, mm -hmm. stuff we saw in the Attitude Era as well. Uh, but, but a lot of people will throw hatred on him, and especially with the WCW uh, mm -hmm. late days and, and whatnot. But, wow, that, that must have been something really, really, uh, so, really, really special. Absolutely. I on a tangent, I did get to ask him about why were you so obsessed with honor pole matches? Why was that your thing? And he, again, I'll try my best. Like, bro, people don't know what people like a contest. They've seen wrestling, bro. They <laughs> want to see a contest. And I was like, I don't follow. But what he was trying to get at was obviously at the time people would flick through the channels and they would flick between one and the other. And he was thinking the more things that look outside of wrestling, you can capture people's imagination. And he actually, and it stuck with me. He used gladiators as the example, yeah. saying like American gladiators, it's just two people against each other in what, again, like he, I think he used the word guinea pig ball. Right. Like you've got people in those guinea pig balls. No one actually cares who wins or loses. They just want to see the action. And his logic with that, I sort of go, yeah, I get what you mean. I remember watching gladiators, not because I wanted the blue guy to win or the red guy to win. Yeah. I just wanted to see people doing stuff. And so, yeah, it sort of stuck with me, that logic.
Wow. Well, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Um, right, so what we're going to do, ladies and gentlemen, before we, we've got loads coming up, we've got, I'm going to test Alex on a uh, on a who am I or oh a when am I. That's coming up. Uh, Alex is <laughs> also going to talk about some upcoming UKPW shows and some more info on that as well. But until we get to that and we break down what's happened over the weekend, ladies and gentlemen, it's now story time. More than anyone else in that ECW dressing room, Tommy Dreamer, maybe more than anyone else in the wrestling industry, you are willing to pay the price, to sweat, to bleed, to suffer. You're willing to hear, uh, to bear that cross. And I say, Tommy, don't do it. Because in order to sacrifice and bear that cross for them, it means that I've got to suffer too. And I'm telling you from a voice of experience that they're not worth it, Tommy. They're not worth it. You see, you've got the choice. Not me. I made my bed of nails and now I've got no other choice but to be to be power bombed on it. But you see, Tommy, the world is smiling at you. The wrestling business is smiling at you. And don't you frown back on it. I'm going to take you back to a very deciding point in my life. A time when I believed in something. A time when I thought that my face and my name made a difference. Do you remember that night, Tommy Dreamer? Because it's embedded in my skull. It's embedded in my heart and it's embedded in every nightmare that I will ever have. As Terry Funk took a broken bottle and began slicing and dicing Cactus Jack, the pain was so much that I'll be honest with you, Tommy. The pain was so much that I wanted to say, I quit. Terry Funk, I give. I wave the flag and I'm a coward. Please don't cut me anymore. Then I saw my saving grace. You see, Tommy, I looked out in the audience, my adoring crowd, and I saw two simple words that changed my life. Kane Dewey. Somebody had taken the time and the effort and thought to make a sign that said, Kane Dewey. And I saw other people around as every moment of my life stopped and focused in on that sign. And the pain that shot through my body became a distant memory, replaced by the pain that will be embedded in my skull till my dying day. Kane Dewey. Kane Dewey. Dewey Foley is a three-year-old boy. You sick sons of bitches. You ripped my, my heart. You took everything I believed in and you flushed it down the damn toilet. You flushed my heart. You flushed my soul, and now it sickens me to sit back and see other people making the same mistake. You see, Tommy Dreamer, I've got to listen to my little boy say every day of my life, Daddy, I miss Atlanta. And I say, that's too bad, son, because your dad traded in the Victorian house for a sweatbox in Long Island. Your dad traded in a $100,000 contract, guaranteed money, insurance, respect, and the name on the dotted line of the greatest man in the world to work for a scumbag who operates out of a little pissant pawn shop in Philadelphia. You don't expect me to be bitter? Tommy, when you open your heart and you open your soul and it, it gets on, it tends to make Jack a very mean boy. And so I'm saying to you, before I take these aggressions out on you, to look at your future and realise that the hardcore is a lie. That these letters behind me are a blatant lie. That those fans who sit there and say, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, he's hardcore, wouldn't piss on you if even if you were on fire, you selfish son of a bitch. 
But I want you to understand, Tommy, though he's hurt you time and time again, deep in his heart, Raven wants you to understand that the hatred I have is here in here is not for you. No, no, far removed. You see, Tommy, I'm not doing this because I hate you. I love you, man. I only want what's best for you. But when I hear that WCW called up your number and asked you, and you said, no, thank you. Well, it makes my blood run cold, as cold as that night in the ECW arena. And so I have got a moral obligation. You see, Tommy, I'm on the path of righteousness and righteous men wield a lot of power. So if I've got to drag you by your face to that telephone, call and dial collect and say, hello, Eric, it's me, Cactus. And though I know I've burnt my bridge and I'll never be taken back with open arms, I've got a wrestler who would gladly trade in his ECW shirt for a pair of green suspenders. And Tommy, just think of that sound in your ear when Uncle Eric says, welcome home, Tommy Dreamer. Welcome home. I love being right. Cactus Jack, ECW. 19th September, 1995. Wow, I love a bit of story time. What an iconic promo cut by Cactus Jack. I mean, I, from some, I know you've always been a massive ECW uh, fan over the years. Um, what are your memories from that from that that time? Well, I remember, uh, I, I, I say I was a bit late to the game. I wasn't necessarily living it in real time. I remember watching WWF programming and seeing letters ECW in the crowd where people would have their signs. Yeah. My, I suppose my first memory really would have been getting one of the tapes from, I want to say it was MVC. I don't know if anyone remembers that old uh, chain of uh, shops. And then they started coming out with retro ECW clips. And I thought, this is interesting. And then this is, so coming back to your question, you would then see these promos. And it was a real shock because I was so used to man with a microphone asking a question in a studio. So used to that. And then on these ECW tapes in 1995, you've got down the camera, shaky camera, <laughs> going, this feels so real. And it was an odd, I don't know how to describe it at the time, but it was a real like, oh, there's, there's more than just shiny, glossy Hulk Hogan and mm -hmm. Eve Austin. There's this gritty, and it felt like a secret. It felt like, ah, I'm watching Mankind before he was Mankind. And so, yeah, I suppose my, my answer to your question is just feeling like I was a super wrestling fan because I was watching this small, like in my eyes, small promotion. By the time I'd got to the tape, they were selling out arenas and all that good stuff. And that's the interesting thing because a lot of uh, some wrestling fans who might not have been delved into the ECW thing and all that, you know, that have probably grown up to believe that it was WCW that kind of um, started to play out the more realistic wrestling, um, like making it look more like it was real life, etc. When actually ECW was doing that. Mm -hmm. um on on a big scale i mean that's exactly what ecw was it was um it was very uh raw um it was it was literally like you've got a group of friends and you've got a camera and you've put a ring together and mm -hmm. you you know you're putting tickets because ecw is just like going to like a ukpw show but with a lot more violence it is <laughs> you know it, it is like that it is very much has an indie look to it but mm -hmm. with scaled up violence, and that's what it, what I loved about ECW was it was very real. 
the bit the bit that I think people often overlook, yes, we all know about the violence. Yes, we know about Paul Heyman. Yes, we know about all the rest of this. The person that does not get enough credit for making ECW fantastic is Joey Styles. The One-man commentary. One-man yeah. commentary. The passion, the wording, phenomenal. Yeah, absolutely. And now I think that's something which I feel um, is missing from a lot of uh, big-time wrestling promotions now is there's not a lot of passion in that storytelling anymore. You know, we talk about JR being one of the best, you know, during his prime in WWE, you know, his delivery and that, you know, it was there was so much uh, emotion involved, you know, Literally, some of the big greatest uh, moments of you know the Attitude Era and the early two thousands, etc., was Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler playing off one another. Uh, but it was all that passion, um, and I feel a lot of that's missed um, these days, and it's very, very bland um, in in places now. I'll give you a very quick example for anyone who's uh, interested in commentary. Uh, Michael Cole has one of the hardest jobs in the world. Just to be clear, he has one of the hardest jobs in the world. And during WrestleMania 38, uh, when Shane McMahon falls off the cell, please watch that clip, but don't watch Shane falling. Watch Michael Cole. Because Michael Cole is not in the moment. He is reading a script. And that sums up where WWE is now because he had to say, for the love of mankind, as a homage, obviously, to yeah. other self. But he's not in the moment. He knows what he's got to say. Yeah. And it, it's. I think that's the best snapshot to tell you the difference between what was and what yes. is now. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, like, obviously, everyone knows that I, I've for years done commentary for UKPW uh, for yourself. And I mean, the amount of times before a show you've taken me aside and gone, right, um, you, you need to know this. Uh, and I, I want you to do this. But you're always like, but I trust you'll get you'll, you'll, you'll do it right. And I always used to say, I want to know minimal because I want my reactions to be as genuine. Um, what I, for example, when we did the build up to your cage match that you had with uh, Ashmore, uh, for example, you told me a couple of things that I needed to know. Mm -hmm. But apart from that, everything had to be, you know, uh, yeah. I, I like to be surprised. I like to be one of the fans, but I'm the one that gets to speak. There's, a, there's an interesting, um, as you know, Stefan, I've, I've done many seminars with many, many people and got to spend some time with Eric Bischoff, name drop. And uh, he said something very interesting because, again, I asked him about commentary. I was like, well, your commentary in WCW was different to WWF at the time. And, and what did you do? You had a three-person booth. They had a two, blah, blah, blah. And he said what I thought was really interesting was for, for about six months of Nitro, they didn't tell the commentators. They, they would tell the commentators, you know, like storyline, plot points, blah, blah, blah. But most of the matches, they had zero idea what was going on. And I want to say it's in 98. I could be wrong. It might be 99. But when you rewatch Nitro, you'll have like, as an example, Shivani going and Kurt Henning, he's amazing at doing this move and this move. And then he loses. And because they've been not, they've not told who is winning, they've been building up the wrong wrestler. And so there's a lot of like, oh, I thought Henning, oh, and vice versa. They're putting down someone or they've, they've not necessarily put a good shine on that person. And then they win. And then you're like, oh, he got he just got beaten by a nobody. Oh, but if you watch like Raw with the one, two, three kid and Razor Ramon, if you really watch that, it's fascinating when you listen to the commentary because they're building kid up. They're saying like, look, he's he's good, but he's not as good as Razor. He's pretty good. And then it's 
I get it. It's teeing us up for what's going to happen. Yeah. But watch the nitros and it's just so funnily bad. It's just funny. Like no wonder they were struggling to get some other people over. Ah, oh, yeah, that, that's that's brilliant. Again, yeah, name dropping Bischoff. And then, <laughs> then, well, that's the thing. You you do attend a lot of seminars, and uh, you you uh, uh, was there one recent you did Nigel McGuinness? Yes, um, that was you, that you was fascinating. Um, sorry if my computer's just that's, gone crazy there. Um, the yeah, Nigel McGuinness was uh, phenomenal to listen to. I mean, I I was his. I would argue one of his like, I don't know, top five fans when he was rocking and rolling in, in ring of honor, the, especially when he was the pure champion. Uh, I remember going to uh, Liverpool to see him and uh, Brian Danielson. Uh, Cause I had to see that with my own eyes. Uh, but then he, obviously we, we know the story, blah, blah, blah. And then became a commentator. And I find his commentary, uh, commentary fascinating because he would do, especially in ring of honor. I really liked it because when someone would get a hold, he, he would say things like, and there's the joint manipulation, really putting a strain on the wrist. And I enjoyed the way that he could articulate, yeah, I've never been in a wrist lock. So why would I know that? I get it's called a wrist lock, but why is that a devastating move? Why is this fundamental move? So, And he was so good at explaining why certain moves are more painful than others and why a wrestler would do something at a certain time. It's so easy when you play the video games, mm -hmm. you just go, move, 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 power, move, move, move. Yeah. The commentator can explain, no, 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 you can't just hit a power bomb in the first 20 seconds like you can in SmackDown. Um, so, no, it was a fascinating um, conversation with Nigel McGuinness. It was a real privilege to, to listen to him and talk about his experiences, especially since leaving the WWE. And, and I can't wait to see what, what turns up for Nigel in the future. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I know. I, th I believe it was this weekend. Um, he was at Progress at the what? Super Strong Style 16 event, um, and he's also been touring, doing some magic shows as well. Which, yeah, he's which is a fantastic cool. magician. And I, I find brilliant. it's funny actually. On a slight tangent, Stefan is I find magic and wrestling there's there's some crossover because there's the art of misdirection. Yes. And so something I was never good at in the ring, you could see on my face, like, okay, he's about to take the pinfall or uh, I, I was just not very good at this. But what's great is when you can misdirect someone. So think of any live show or any wrestling show you've ever been to. And then there's been a surprise. And it's usually because there's been a bit of misdirection. You're expecting one thing, then you get given another. And that's magic. I'm going to do this little trick here. But actually, I've got to do the trick. So I need you looking somewhere else so you don't see the sleight of hand. And I just yeah. think it makes perfect sense with Nigel McGuinness. We're, we're, we're gonna, we, we are going to talk about when, when you talk a bit more about UKPW a bit later on. But uh, we talk about sleight of hand straight away when you explain that. I've just got that footage replaying over my head of that Rampage match, you know, uh, with the uh, scissors <laughs> and uh, yeah, we, we will talk about it so people will know what we're on about there. Um, because I, I still say it was it was it's one of the most genius ways to win a battle royal style match you'll ever see. Um, so we will get to that. But uh, what we're going to get to now is we're going to test you on this because it oh, is God. who am I? Okay, so five questions. 
No. <laughs> Not Sorry. this time, anyway. <laughs> um, five yeah. questions started from the hardest to the easiest. Uh, you need to try oh. and guess who the wrestler or wrestling oh, personality is um, within those. Uh, My reputation's and... on the line here, Stephanie. So <laughs> okay. Kind to me. Well, well, I, I would think you might get this one, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see. Okay. I was okay. born on December 12th, 1964 in Staten Island, New York. Staten Island. Uh, Mick Foley. Nope. nope. No, 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 no. <laughs> I began my wrestling career in 1985. Staten Island, 85. Mm, no. I'll, I'll add to that one just to give you a little bit more on, on that one. Uh, in 1985... Um, Working for various indie promotions in Memphis, Michigan, Ohio, Canada, and Hawaii. Cool. When you say it, I'm going to kick myself, I know. Um, <laughs> who's that? Hawaii. That's the tell. Mm, no, keep going, sir. Okay. Um, I had an original run in Eastern slash Extreme Championship Wrestling Ooh. between 1993 and 1995. I also defeated Shane Douglas in 1990 uh, in uh, my second match. Uh, I defeated Shane Douglas for the ECW Heavyweight Championship. Oh, is that Taz? No. Or D Dreamer? No. Staten Island. Ah. <laughs> I, I went in 1995. I appeared for New Japan Pro Wrestling as well as WCW. And I returned to ECW in 1995 where I competed there until the year 2000. Sandman? No. Sandman. And then, here, comes the, here comes the easy one. This, this is where oh, it God, get, no. gets you. <laughs> I, can't, I can't picture who this is. You can't, you can't, you can't get it. Go on, one, I'll, I'll give you a moment. Yeah, one, uh, right, 95. I'm just trying to go through my, Staten Island's throwing me off, because I don't, in my mind, maybe that's limiting my thought thought process. So if it's not Taz, which would be Brooklyn, um, if it's not Dreamer, I couldn't even tell you Dreamer, um, Raven wouldn't be Staten no. Island. No. Uh, night starting in 93, night five. I can manage it. Andy's gonna watch it. He's gonna be he never gives me this long to, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Okay, this this will give it to you. Okay, he he's usually introduced as the homicidal suicide. Oh, it is Sabu. Oh, I totally didn't know the New York thing. I did yes. not know that. There we go. Sabu is the one that popped in my head briefly. I was like. I That's thought not. you might get it. I, I, I thought, you know... He, no, he might... Staten Island totally threw me off. Uh, Sabu, uh, no. not been sim for a while until this past uh, weekend. We've, we've seen him on Dynamite and yeah. Double or Talk Nothing. Talk about random. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly that. You know that Simpsons joke, like, and for no reason, here's Apu. For no yes. reason, here's Sabu. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> oh, Sabu. Uh, what a guy. I mean, I think it was Bully Ray turn around so I think Sabu's uh, I think he said something along the lines recently Sabu's uh, the, the one guy who's given everything to wrestling but got so little out from yeah. back you know yeah. <clears throat> I mean the guy is just you know 
it just didn't didn't really have any care for his body. I mean, mm-hmm. some of the stuff I've seen him do and, and what I mean, even at the age he's at. My my favorite story uh, was <coughs> from Rob Van Dam, who said uh he loved Sabu because he had such a great sense of humor. And I was like, that can't be like I, I get it, but it doesn't feel right. And he said, No, no, no. And he, I forget the event. He said you can see it clear as day on one of the events, but apparently. Uh, there were occasions where he would on purpose, I won't swear, uh, on purpose make a mistake so that the crowd would go, you, and he did it on purpose so it would make him laugh when he was on the floor because he's like, no, I planned to make that mistake. You're all wrong. And he found that really funny. And so Van Damme's like, he's got a great sense of humour, but it is a bit warped. And I love that story. That's brilliant. But apparently there is a there's a pay-per-view where you can sort of see it's like you know like the double jump springboard whatever he would yeah. do apparently there's one where he's clearly able to do it and then sort of on purpose falls over just so the crowd make the noise and then it just made him laugh going ha i meant to do that yeah, he's, he used to, I think, with the, with the steel chair, he would sort of run use the steel chair for leverage yeah. then leap onto the top rope so and then good. leap out out insane so good. And Absolutely. if you think about the mechanics of it, the the I mean, clearly I can't do that. But if you think of the mechanics, it looks so hard. But actually, the mechanics are: I'm jumping on a chair and I'm jumping on a rope. We now get guys that can just jump to that top rope yeah. in a box jump. So it's it's one of them moves where you look at going that needs to come back. What's old is new again. Oh, absolutely, without a doubt. I like to see someone do it if there if there was a match where there is you know. Whether it's a street fight or hardcore or someone, I could, I'd love to see uh, one of the up and comers that are high flyers that be able to do, just do it and give a little sabu <laughs> yeah. little mention before they do it. You know, just a little nice little tribute. But uh, you're uh, a gaming guy, Stefan, aren't you? Yes. Um, I used to love uh, Legends of Wrestling, the first Legends of Wrestling. And there was a gag that we still do to this day with me and a mate of mine, where in Legends of Wrestling, you had Sabu and Rob Van Dam. And that was purely because they weren't signed to any contract so that they could they could be in this acclaimed game. Fine. And then, yeah, of course, it was Jimmy Wang Yang. That, that's, that, was. That's, that was for the Who Am I? Yeah, yeah of course uh... it was. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, and you could create your own entrance. So you had your four buttons on the on the PlayStation version and each button would be a taunt. So when uh, we would create wrestlers, I used to have this uh, sequence, which was circle, square, triangle, X, which was simply like the guy warms up and the, the, the posing was simply like, uh, I'm warming up because I'm really strong because I'm the best and I owe it all to the roof guy. And we'd always end on the Sabu bit. Lovely. So whenever we play any like SmackDown game now, or sorry, 2K game, we always make that entrance now. And it's just been a running gag for 20 years. That's brilliant. Oh, that, that is brilliant. So uh, it's funny that, uh, uh, yes, uh, I'll put that back up there. Um, Jamie Wang Yang's number one fan, uh, Jack Fenton, the other co-owner of UKPW, um, for, also your long-suffering uh, tag team partner as well at UKPW. Um, little story for those that don't know, uh, when I was in Dallas last year, I uh, went to WrestleCon. I actually sought out Jimmy Wang Yang just to get Jack his <laughs> autograph. And he turned around and he said, well, you get autograph and a photo, uh, selfie. Uh, as as part of the bundle, so I ended up having a selfie with Jimmy Wang Yang just to get Jack. You know, <laughs> That's so and good. I turned around and he said, oh, he, he went, is your, he said, what's your name?" I said, "I went, no, I, I said, it's not for me, Jimmy." I said, "It's for a, a friend back home uh, called Jack." 
hands down, your number one fan. Like, literally, I said, pre-2004, hasn't got a Scooby-Doo about wrestling, nothing like that. Jimmy Wang Yang or Mastermind, that would be his category. He would know everything. And he just turned around and said, I love the sound of this guy. I was like, oh, yes. Like, literally, brilliant. Like, you know, I always had this thing where as if I... If I was ever rich enough, I would speak with you in secret to have a match where it would be Fentos versus a mystery opponent and we would fly over Jimmy Wang Yang. <laughs> not so tell good. Jack, yeah, not tell Jack anything about it <laughs> and just have Jimmy Wang Yang come out as his opponent and just see the look on his face. So good. That would be that. Oh, There's still I, time. There's still time. <laughs> There's still time. It's got to happen. It's got to happen now. It's got to happen. So, yeah. So, speaking of UKPW, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about it. You took over uh, UKPW from Anton Green, as many people know. It, um, uh, it was just as we the pandemic was about to start as well. Because mm. you had shows getting ready to line up and then the pandemic hit. And that threw a lot of things into question. And we did a lot of stuff during the pandemic. We did the Big Fat Wrestling Quiz. We did the Insider things. We did anything we could do just to keep, to let people know that we're still here mm-hmm. and that we're, you know, going to be coming back and everything. What was that like for you? Because obviously you're trying to plan dates. You want a successful re- relaunch. And every time you have something booked in the calendar, you know, we would have we won't mention their names. Everyone knows who was at number 10 down the street. We turn around and say, no, you can't do that, Dave, because yeah. we're still going to be in a lockdown. What was that like for you guys at the start? Yeah. I mean, in a, the, the short version is actually, it might've been a blessing in disguise because we'd uh, taken over. Thank uh, kindly to, to Anton Green, um, who I believe at the time was thinking, now ah, I've, I've done this promotion. I'm done now. And I was like, mm, I quite fancy it. And so I'd, I'd been eyeing it up for a while, to be fair. And uh, so it just timed out. And then, like the phrase, of course, uh, pandemic happens. But looking back, there were so many things we weren't really ready for. Um, so when the pandemic happened and then lots of promotions shut down, that made us realize, oh, yeah, cash flow is a thing. Like, oh, yeah, it's a business. We want to make sure that we can run a show and everyone get paid. We want to make sure that the like the venues aren't burned if you will um uh, like relationship wise so there was a sort of a blessing there but at the time we'd had a show i believe it was aimed for may 25th and we'd announced it and it was quite funny we'd announced the show and i was oddly uh, on a work trip in miami Ooh, more name dropping and um and we dropped it and I had loads of messages from, from loads of wrestlers going like, oh, I'd love to be on the show. And it blew my mind. I didn't know that we had any kind of, I'm going to say the word clout, probably not the right phrase, but I just assumed, eh, no one will care. But literally we announced it and so many people were like, yeah, I'm interested, I'm interested, which is great. But then the following week was lockdown. And then you go, ah, uh, what do we do? And then we were sitting on it, sitting on it and looking at the rules and regulations, blah, blah, blah. And then you go, ah, oh, do, we, do we have to just call it quits now? And then, so we, we arguably called it a bit early, like, yeah, let's not risk it. And then about two weeks later, everything in the world got shut down. So then it gave us time to go, right. What was working? What wasn't working? And throughout the whole lockdown no lockdown lockdown no lockdown no public gathering gatherings of six people blah 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 that whole sort of six month period meant that we could sit back and go okay right 
when we do launch what do we want it to look like and we discovered silly things like who, who like what can you rely on and you're like well actually we can rely on ourselves because we want to run the show so that's what sort of egged us on into buying our own ring um then it was things like okay what about cameras well we've got those that's great we don't have to rely on anyone else there brilliant then it came to things like venues i mean i remember going to one venue and we literally went there with one of those um, measuring stick. Uh, what are they called? Basically, Fentos owns one. Of course, right. he does. Uh, but one of those <laughs> like marking out uh, wheel. Uh, and we were measuring. Oh, yes. yeah. I can't think of what they're called. Um, but we're measuring things out, and we're literally. So we use the phrase like that. That uh, I think it was two meter distance, wasn't it? Two meter social distancing. So we used to use the phrase one Fentos. Um, so that table is one Fentos away. That's. I one believe Fentos. it's called a, a trumeter. That that sounds right. You could have Something said like anything. That. I just googled it. You know. could have said like it's it's called a sabu meter. Yep, sabu I'm meter. I'm with you on that. <laughs> Whatever it's called, and yeah. So short answer, it was a blessing in disguise, but it meant it was quite frustrating because we wanted to get going. So bearing in mind that would have been 2020, and then actually uh, like March 2020, and then we didn't get a show until August of 2021. And so it was a long period of time. A lot of stuff happened in that time. But it did mean that when we were able to launch, it was very, very satisfying, uh, best way to word it. Yeah, I remember how exciting it was when we finally were getting to the press start show, which was mm -hmm. the, the relaunch. Uh, and that tremendous main event between Danny Black and Josh Joe Lando that, that just literally so George drop him left, right and centre. And it was really difficult because... You know, for some of us, uh, you know, I can speak for myself, uh, having a lot of stuff going on in the personal life, it, uh, going to UKPW and doing my commentary and doing work it and everything, it was it was what was keeping us going. And um, <clears throat> and I have said this before in, in other conversations with other people, but if it wasn't for you guys giving me work, I, I still call it fun, but work to do during the lockdown and the, and the things we did, I don't know what. I, I would have done. Uh, it kept me going um, and got me out of a lot of difficult positions that I was struggling with uh, uh, myself. Um, but it was so great to see everyone that when, when it turned up, we got that show done and it was just this, oh, okay, we're, we're back. But <clears throat> there is a massive contrast in difference between the UKPW pre-COVID uh, uh, under Anton to where it is now because it is growing and growing and growing and growing. But it's the names that you're even getting to book on shows. You know, Simon Miller, we'll, we'll talk about him uh, shortly. Nina Samuels was one in Canterbury recently as well uh, that, that we've, uh, we've seen. We've seen some young up-and-comers that you've legit just said, I put some faith in you. Go out there, show me what you could do. And they've impressed you so much that they're now regulars. Mm -hmm. um you know <clears throat> and literally i was just about to bring up this guy and uh here is uh alfie he'll uh, also <laughs> known as alf edwards the suplex merchant suplex uh merchant so to think that it suplex was only merchant, suplex merchant. literally a year and, and for those who don't know about alfie okay and i'm gonna give you a bit of spotlight here alfie um <laughs> a guy that we a uh, very small uh literally uh, show which was not even a proper show. It was in uh, to do with something with YouTube. Uh, he had his very first ever match uh, ever against former UKPW Interregional Champion Buff Broadside. Um, and then he was in a tag match uh, later on that same day. 
He has now gone on this year to win the Rampage match. He is number one contender for the Interregional Championship. This young guy has literally, like, he's he's impressed. And then some, hasn't he, really? I mean, Oh, God, yeah. But, I mean, not to take anything away from Alf, there, there's tons of people. And if I can get on my high horse for a second, yeah. I, I look back to when we first met Stefan. Like, we, we met many, many years ago. And the platforms didn't exist. The promotions weren't there. There were some, they were doing a few things. That's fine. But there was no, it was hard to break in is probably what I'm trying to get at. And I kind of, you know, like my, my real world is all about recruitment and jobs and all that kind of boring stuff. And it's the classic line, like, I want to, I can't hire you because you haven't got the experience. Well, how do I get the experience if you don't hire me? It's that horrible circle. Yeah. And so when I was talking to Jack, I was like, we can change that. We could have the power to go, do you know what? We could be the stepping stone between never wrestling in front of a crowd into one of the bigger promotions. It would be amazing if we could be a big promotion, but actually it goes against some of the values of, no, let's, there are talented people that just need an opportunity. And if you look back from, say, 2021 to now, there are certainly some people that have gone on to other things where you go, I know we might have only been 0.5% of that, but at least we've contributed to you being able to get onto bigger shows. We film it. it there's the commentary team. The production's a big thing. And I think what we're going to be, if I can get on this high horse, is going to probably steer more into that over the next year because lots of promotions get the large crowds. That's great. Learn that there. We're going to try and make a television program because we have a television program. So let's steer into that now. And the, I mean, we, I'm sure I'll bore all of your audience with this, but there's different styles. And one thing I learned, I suppose, the hard way is you've got a live audience. Yay. You've got the promoter. Yay. You've got the region or the promotion and the other wrestlers, yay. And then you got yourself. Who are you wrestling for? And some people don't know what they're wrestling for because they just do it. And I made that mistake for years. I'm just like, yeah, I just like calling myself a wrestler. Yeah, this is quite fun. But it's only until it clicked, and you mentioned about the um, the top rope scenario, I, I realized, like, actually, I'm wrestling for me. I... I'm the, the I'm going to use this quote. I think I've said this before to you, Stefan. I'm the markiest mark that ever marked. Like, I love this. And I sort of want to own that. People looked at other wrestlers used to look their nose. No, no, you're just you're just acting like a mark. I get that. But I'm also a mark for my co-workers in my real. I genuinely stand up and clap sometimes when people come into work. I go, I love your work. So good. And I do that in my real job. So then I was like, no, I'm not going to be ashamed to be the markiest mark that ever marked. And actually, it creates really cool opportunities, hence the cage match. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I want to do that. So I'm going to do that. But it doesn't make any sense. Well, we can make it make sense because we can write the show. I don't understand why people can't think like that. But sorry, back to your original point. But give people chances. I was clawing, screaming, like, please. The, the original promotion that we um, worked with, I'm convinced that they just didn't like me. They were like, nah, I'm not going to bother. And I'm like, but I know I can talk. I know I can get people in your door. And then they never did. And then to talk about Anton, obviously you meet people as, as you go through. Mm. And Anton was one of the first people to go like, actually, I'm, I, I actually think you're quite good. And then I use the phrase, the rest is history. 
um one of the new guys uh said to me very kindly going like your dow jones character was the backbone of that promotion and that's why there's almost like an element of yeah i'm going to try and build from build from that that we built something we got there in 2019 and, and i'm a little bit annoyed as well because in 2019 at the end of 2019 i was the best i'd ever been if mm. i if i can be so bold and then of course there was no sort of shows the shows were going to sort of go on a pause because of various reasons but then the pandemic happened yeah and so selfishly i'm a little bit like the best i could have done was taken away and so i don't want that to happen to anyone else which is why I always try and get shows on. It's why I'm always looking for opportunities for, for us to put on our stuff. That's where the Gillingham High Street stuff comes from. That's where all the other nonsensical venues come from. And it's because I, I, if I look at Alf, if he's still watching, like as harsh as this sounds, and I hope I don't offend him, I'm sure I won't, he might still not have been on a show yet. Hmm. And you go, but you were so ready. You could have had to have waited another year, like potentially. And so I like that we can create a platform for people to go, turn up, put the faith in. And you know me well enough, Stefan. If someone makes a mistake, okay, we'll move on. It it's happens. Just wrestling. It, it happens. Everyone, even the most, you know, uh, experienced of veterans can still make a mistake. It, it, yeah. it just happens. It's it, it's life. But that is, you know, that, that is the thing. And we talk about, you know, um, you know, being the backbone of that company. It was, you know, I, I mean, we can make, Comparisons with Ted DiBiase with the money <laughs> kind of things Correct. aside, um, but you were in UKPW. You were like that that the the the, the, the top hill like DiBiase was in the late eighties uh, in WWF days. Mm. You were that you know that 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 guy that was just a nuisance to yeah. uh, to, to all the all the faces, all everyone's heroes, everyone that everyone loved because Dell Jones always found a way through things and um, and. I, I urge anyone who's not familiar to go on YouTube, go to uh, UKPW United Kingdom Pro Wrestling's YouTube channel. Literally, the archives are full uh, with modern and historic matches in there. Uh, check out the Rampage match uh, from uh, 2019. Uh, also, check out the last show we did. I, I think the footage is up there. Um, mm -hmm. The last man standing match between Alexander Roth and Dale Jones, which <clears throat> was the last show we did before the pandemic, mm -hmm. which... I'm still sad we didn't get the fallout show that carried on from that uh, because of the whole Kieran Corrupt turning on his mm -hmm. tag team partner. Um, that had symbolised you had completed every achievement in UKPW, the only man to do so. And people could turn around and say, oh, yeah, but it's easy when you know you book yourself that way. But you wasn't owner of the company. No. You weren't <laughs> booking these shows. So that was all done prior. Mm -hmm. But the Rampage match... <laughs> was just it was genius to have you saw trying to saw the top rope with the pair of scissors and it not working. Well, I've got I've, I've got two stories for you, Stefan. I don't know how we've got. Yeah, we've got plenty of time. Go, go like go so, like it. basically, I was told you're winning the rampage, and then we're we're going to go to a main event match. I was like, okay, that makes sense. But then I was like, that's great, thank you so much. And then I was and, and I still to this day I look at the roster of people and I go. All joking aside, all of these people are better than me. Like all of these people. Now I might be able to make a funny joke, I might be able to whatever, but when it actually comes to being in the ring, there's so many people that are so more talented than me. And then I was like, right, well, let's look at this legitimately. If I'm meant to be this rich guy that can do whatever, how would a rich guy win? 
how would he bend the rules? So there were two ideas that came into my mind. And there's one, I sort of, my brain is going, don't tell this story because maybe one day I'll do it now as the booker. But I used to think it was like, so I was thinking like the Million Dollar Man. If the Million Dollar Man character existed in the current WWE, he would make a new slot. So it'd be like 30 wrestlers come out and then the countdown would happen again. And everyone goes, but wait, we've had 30 people. And then he would buy entry number 31 and like buy an extra slot. No one was expecting. He comes in, whatever wins. Option two, which I always thought would be really funny, would be you get to like number 29. Everyone does their little rumble bit. They're all eliminated. Entry number 30 comes out. The moment they step in the ring, because everyone's eliminated themselves, entry 30 just walks in and wins. And I thought that would be great. So I picked that as the original idea. Like, I want to win because everyone else has eliminated themselves. And, like, obviously people are like, yeah, but people have come to see, a, like, a proper match. I was like, yeah, okay, fine. Yeah, okay, fine. So then I was like, well, what else could you do? And, I, and so this is where I get criticized by other wrestlers because uh, I won't say who, a very close friend of mine said uh, this to me going, Alex, does it not annoy you that you get booked, not necessarily because of your wrestling skill, but because you film and you record things and i go like i get where you're coming from but i'm filming it for me and if it means everyone else can win great and i'm fine with that it means i'm on the show so what this person was trying to get at was i was essentially living the gimmick like i'll pay that i'll pay for that myself I'll buy the table that we're going to smash. I'm going to buy the steel chair that I plan to throw at someone. Or in this case, I plan to buy the replacement top rope because who in their right mind does that? So my theory was, I think you might've even been in the car when I was working this out. I was like, right. Dow Jones would go in and cut the top rope off because you've got two angles. One, the middle rope is now the top rope because of that rule or two, and again, it's a real subtle thing that I don't think I've ever mentioned. But when I throw people over that middle rope, I make sure that they still go over the the top rope. So where the top rope had been cut and it was now swinging, you'll notice I still throw people over that rope mm -hmm. because I wanted, like, again, talking about future storylines, I was thinking that could have been like a plot point going like, well, actually, you didn't throw people over the top rope. And I'd be like, well, I did. But yeah, cutting that rope and seeing people's reactions was so satisfying because it's like, well, what? And, and again, it was like the build, as you say, the scissors. Yeah. Eh, we wanted the idea of like, what's he doing? What's he doing over there? Like little scissors not working. You get the saw out. It's just so comical. Out comes the saw. It's lime green because of course it is. It's and, then, and then as soon as I started cutting, I didn't realize how quickly it was going to go through. I was like, oh, it's done. <laughs> oh, that was, so there's even a moment of me going, oh, that wasn't going to happen. <laughs> I remember um, at ringside, uh, just literally, and I didn't want to know, and I didn't know you didn't tell me anything. I'm sitting there and I'm watching this, and obviously I'm doing the commentary. So my words, my mouth is doing one thing, my mind's doing something completely different. I'm calling this stuff, my mind is just going, he's not serious. They're like, what? Huh? <laughs> this is. Oh, this is great. And my mind's going, what's Dow Jones? You know, and you've got Ross Briffitt, who was my co-commentator at the time. You know, he's just saying, oh, I, I think he's got scissors. And there's me going, no, 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 Dow Jones is just checking the safety of this yep. top rope. It's a little bit unstable. <laughs> and then the sword comes out, fed us at ringside. And I was just thinking to myself, 
This is actually genius. This is one of the best ways to win an over the top <laughs> rope match I've ever seen, and it and it worked. It, I was convinced at the time, call it my naivety, I was convinced that was going to get some traction like online. Like, there's a guy that cut the top rope off. And hilariously, it sort of has now. So during the Rumble this year, uh, we reposted some of the clips from previous Rampages. And the clip of me cutting the top rope off has sort of, not, I'm not saying like gone viral or anything, but it's one of the most highest performing uh, video clips. But of course, because it's, different it's mm. not necessarily seen it uh, but yeah one of my fun most fun things i've ever done uh that's brilliant and i and again and i always say this that last man standing match with with <laughs> alexander roth and that that was that was just that was my favorite ukpw match uh was that uh the reason i i didn't realize until you know the first time i watched the footage back back with the commentary I, I was so lost in what was going on that I forgot about what my commentary was like. And it was one of the few times I've walked away from a show, watched it back and actually gone, I'm proud of what mm. I delivered on, on the microphone there because I was so invested and like listening to the storytelling. And, I, and as I go back to the way it's different now with commentary in, in wrestling now, it's, it lacks a lot of passion with a lot of promotions and that like that. That for me is hands down the best uh, favorite one I, I ever did um where, which didn't involve you know having some banter with ross which we used to i used to love doing uh, uh back back then um but let's talk about the shows that are coming up because we've got a busy summer um, we, do. we do so um yeah we're going to talk about um the first which is a double bill uh of the weekend uh the the opening weekend of july uh talk a little bit about the midway gaming festival and what ukpw are offering so we are a part of one of the largest events that medway have uh, so for anyone that's in the area in kent uh medway being the medway towns uh, we're going to be at the historic dockyard in chatham and they do a big gaming festival so lots of games lots of cosplay lots of well lots of stuff and we're one of the stuff and we were there last year. We had a lot of fun, uh, but they wanted us back this year. Fantastic. And because we've done it and like all things, you live and learn and you improve. Uh, this year, we've got a lot of cool stuff lined up. We're announcing things every day leading into the events, which are on the 1st and 2nd of July. And for a little bit of uh, side note, you'll see on the lovely graphic that you've put up, uh, we're naming the two shows. So it's still part of Medway Gaming Festival. You can buy a weekend ticket for £22, which means you get all day access on both days. All the games, all the matches, there's Robot Wars, there's uh, board gaming, there's all the obviously all the uh, nautical things as well, all the, all the historic dockyard items. But you'll see that we've named the shows. Uh, so on the second, it's Summer Jam, uh, which we just like the name. But on the first, we—I've pulled rank. I'm afraid it's one of—I say one of the few times when it comes to naming, I let other people have fun with it. I'm—I'm I'm normally the one that does silly ideas. This is a silly idea that no one could convince me any other way. I'm on a boat, which is my favourite song of the Lonely Island, arguably my favourite song ever. So I'm looking forward, and I believe I'm penciled in to be the ring announcer. Uh, so if that is the case, I feel like it's going to be the most unprofessional day of my uh, wrestling career. Uh, but yes, we're there for two days. It would be fantastic. We've got some big names lined up. We can I can tell you already, we've got Simon Miller on the show. Uh, we've got a gentleman named Ty Hazard, who's got a huge following in the e-gaming world. Um, I will say this now. We're announcing it tomorrow. Uh, Kira Chimera, the women's champion, is going to be there. Uh, we've got a couple of other 
sneaky surprises coming in the next couple of weeks as well. Some relatively big names. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be a great day, great double day. Uh, we're going to be really busy, Stefan. Oh, I'm, I'm so pumped. I, I can't wait. I absolutely loved the event last year. Um, it was a great turnout. Beautiful weather as well. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> having to keep the uh, the ring uh, as cool as possible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which wasn't easy uh, for, for those who, ha- who were on hand to do that. But yeah, it's a great event. Um, obviously, during you know our, our show intervals, we get a chance to have a wander around and have a look at everything. Um, it's definitely worth doing. And as uh, Alex just said, £22 for a, uh, for a weekend I mean that that's a bargain I mean you get two free wrestling shows and you get access to everything that's on offer at the festival as well as you yeah. said the nautical side the just the history of the dockyard on on view as well um the the I'm on a boat obviously I know the reference that I love the lonely island um if only we were actually on a boat on a boat well the quick side story because I appreciate uh, the time here but uh, yeah, there was a discussion. There, there was a legit discussion of like, can we actually get the ring on the boat? And uh, I, I, I don't know how much I can say, but that did seriously, that was penciled in. Um, wow. the, the problem wasn't necessarily, can the ring go on there? Like, Because in my eyes, I'm like, yeah, it can. It'll be hard, but, we, but it was actually getting an audience that was the problem. The boats weren't necessarily set up to have an audience they're not like the jericho cruise where there's like a big wide area they're historical boats and having say i don't know a a ring and then the wrestlers and then 50 people on there it wasn't necessarily the smartest idea yeah, I understand. Although you never know, in about ten years' time, we could end up uh, on, on a, having our own version of a Jericho All cruise. Right. I mean, if there's any rich people out there that own a cruise and want to do something a little bit different, give UKPW a shout. Right. Uh, I could just, I would just, we could theme it as though Dal Jones owns it, and we could just have this massive thing of Dal Jones standing there with all his with his tassels and everything, oh. and I would like just literally welcome to the the Dal Jones cruise. Or I would a million just, percent oh. just recreate the Lonely Island video. Absolutely. It's just all over. Well, I wonder if we could hire Michael Bolton to dress up as Jack Sparrow again <laughs> and just have him at the top of the cruise to sing it. I that- shouldn't admit this, Stefan. The uh, I get lots of like, oh, what's a really cool thing you've done? And always the top of my list was dancing to I'm on a boat when I was on a boat. <sighs> Brilliant. And it seems so trivial, but honestly, it was one of my absolute life highlights. <laughs> that's fantastic. That's fantastic. But that's not only all, all we got, because we've also got uh, a big show coming up in August uh, at Falconwood Community Centre in London as UKPW presents Tag. You're it. I do believe this is uh, regarding the Tag Team Championship tournament. It is right? indeed. Yes, it is. And I will risk everything. What do they say? Risk it for a biscuit. Uh, we will be revealing brand new UKPW Tag Team Championship belts at that wow. show. Um, so, yeah, long story short, uh, we our tag division was decimated by the wrestler Harry Sefton, uh, and then lots of other shenanigans were to happen. So essentially, we're pressing hard reset on the tag division, and we'd organised, like, right, we're going to do a tag tournament. And if I if I calm the let's use the phrase, let's calm the kayfabe down a bit. I'm a huge fan of the old Chikara King of Trios tournaments. And I love them because it was so good. You'd have, say, 24, 36 teams and it'd be over three nights and you're like, who's going to win? And I always like those kind of stories because you you can jump in. 
you can be like, right, I know there's a beginning, a middle, and an end. But when you jump into, say, like a new wrestling promotion, there's usually a backstory that you don't know about and you don't know when the stories are going to end. But at least with a tournament or some kind of tournament, you can just plug and play. You can just go, boom, I'm in there. I can see the beginning. I can see the middle. I can see the end. So I wanted to do a tag tournament is basically what uh, what I'm getting at. And we're going to do it over one night. There was a big discussion about should we do it over a couple of days or should it be over a couple of shows? We've already done a tournament over a couple of shows. So to make this different, we're going to do it one night. So when people pay for their ticket to, uh, to Falconwood, they're going to get eight teams which means if we do the math there, so you've got four at the beginning, uh, four, yeah, you've got four matches, then the two matches, there, so you've got seven tag matches in one night, plus I'm sure we'll add a, another championship match in there as well. Uh, real bang for buck on that one. We're, again, going to be announcing teams for that over the next uh, month or so. The added dilemma to this was we book a lot of the venues at the beginning of the year. So you go like, yep, we're going to do these, and we, you build a calendar. But I think you know where I'm going with this. It is the day before... All Elite Wrestling comes to Wembley Stadium. Um, so I'm just going to turn on my uh, sales hat for a second. So if you want to kick off your wrestling weekend with the absolute bargain of the century and see top quality professional wrestling on your doorstep on Saturday, August 26th, the day before we're all in, you can be all in on the UKPW Tag Team Championships. That was with no scripts. That that uh, was just <laughs> brilliant. That was just brilliant. No, that that is it is indeed the day before all in. I'm going to be there. Andy's going to be there. Alex is going to be there um, to, at right. Wembley Stadium. Uh, I will keep the tracker guide uh, down at the bottom. Uh, we you. have all information. We include in the. Uh, the, the dates of all three shows and uh, the websites are where you can go and get your tickets. And I would advise you to do so, especially with the way the uh, UKBW shows lately have been selling very, very well. Uh, I would snap those up as soon as you can. Sam Pipkin, this guy, we, <laughs> someone we know very, very well, said, dancing to I'm on a boat while being on a boat is now at the top of my bucket. Correct. Yes. It should be. Photos or videos, Sam, or it didn't happen. Honestly, best thing <laughs> in the world, honestly. I was in the side story. I was in the middle of a very serious conversation when the song came on and in the most professional way possible, I went, uh, I'm so sorry. I will be right back. And then literally <laughs> ran away. And then was like, oh, no, bro. <laughs> and then came back and continued the conversation. So yeah. that is absolutely fantastic. Oh, that is fantastic. So yeah. So yeah, massive tag team tournament show coming up. Uh, I know a guy that might be interested, uh, keeping a close eye on some of that. Um, hmm. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll see about that. Um, but yeah, so thank, thank you for uh, sharing all that info with us, Alex. Of course. Uh, I, I can't wait. It's going to be an exciting summer. Uh, I can't wait. Um, but we are now going to go down and talk about Night of Champions. So, uh, what turned out to be a very, very good show uh, from yeah. Jeddah is Saudi Arabia, uh, crowning a brand new world heavyweight champion, Seth freaking Rollins. Um, what a great match that was. It, yeah. And I, my honest, I didn't like the belt at first, mm. but now it's grown on me. It's, I'm sort of fine with it. I'm like, of course you're going to stick a WWE logo <laughs> on, a, on a world heavyweight title. Of course you are. Marketing. Yeah, and I don't blame them. And if if I'm very honest, I've <clears throat> WWE feels like uh I use the phrase just like homogenized, like just just 
do the same thing over and over and over again. And it was a perfectly fine match. I, if I can be, if I can be that smarky, snarky guy for a second, I was watching it going, I don't mind if either of these people win. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Like I had no strong feelings. And I think that's, if I can later on in the show, different story. But for this match, I was a bit like, eh, I, I don't like when Seth Rollins won, my reaction was, eh, okay, great. And then if AJ won, I think again, I would have gone, yeah, I just feel yeah. bad that I'm not excited by their, by that crowning. I wasn't, yeah, I don't know what was missing. The match was fine. The match was fantastic. Yeah. But the feeling, I felt like, ah, and I wonder if it was the venue. Like the crowd, great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They made that. But if you imagine you didn't have such a hot crowd, I think we'd be having a different conversation about that. Uh, I, I still think we need the Puerto, the uh, Puerto Rico crowd from back. Oh, my God. Like, they were great, oh, weren't they? My God. How how amazing were they? But, I mean, the, going back to what you said about the design of the New World Heavyweight Championship, uh, I'd rather the logo be that size than taking up the entirety. Yeah, of the belt, like yeah, the, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, we'll compromise. Yeah, I mean, I still like the fact it still pays homage to the big gold. It's yes. still got the, that, that look mm -hmm. about it. Um, Sam Pipkin saying, Night of Champions was incredible. My expectations weren't high going in, but it was a good show altogether. Correct mm -hmm. is the answer to that, Sam. It really, really was. Uh, in terms of the prediction league, uh, Andy went with Seth Rollins. I originally went with Seth Rollins, and then I thought, Do you know what? I'll take a risk. I'll go AJ just in case they pull a swerve. Because uh, of Seth Rollins being involved in the film in this Captain America film. Yeah. But ultimately, it was Seth that took that. So Andy goes one up on that one. Then we move Before you on. Move on. Sorry, yeah. yes, go. What, putting that Isn't match it? on first. Yes. No, didn't like that. No, I didn't either. And I think that's what I mean by it was missing something where I go, this doesn't feel important. Mm. So I, I almost now don't, I don't want to say I don't care, but I go, Meh. but yeah. The tag title match was always going to be the main event because it's Roman. I think yeah. they were always going to put that on last. Um, but we are going to talk about it next, though, cool. uh, because it was Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens defending against Solo Sokoa and Roman Reigns of the Bloodline. Now, uh, some people are now tired of the Bloodline feud. Now, I know we're getting close to wrapping it up. Uh, it's been some of the best long-term storytelling mm -hmm. that has been. And I mean, I've loved it for minutes. To, even now, um, just when you think something's going to happen and then something else happens, and um, Zayn and Owens picking up the win because the use as well. Jimmy, this time in particular, taking a shot at Roman and uh, mm. super kicking him down. So that's got to be some food for thought for Roman Reigns. Rollins took him out when the shield imploded, Sami Zayn took him out at the Royal Rumble, and now his <laughs> own his own blood. Uh, at, taking them. at least it wasn't a steel chair because every no. time it's always a chair at least this time it was a kick i can live with that absolutely but what a tag match that was yeah I, I enjoyed that and actually call me crazy i wasn't maybe i didn't have my booking head on but i kind of wasn't expecting it i was like ah it's a show there'll be a match there'll be something mm. i didn't think they were going to pull the trigger if you see what i mean I, I didn't think that was coming but there you go well done them yeah, I'm looking forward to Raw tonight to see if they discuss yeah. any more. Um, probably not because it's because Romans or SmackDown, but you never know. Um, to see, I can't wait to see the Nexus or what's going to happen with the Usos next. Uh, I don't know, but what an incredible match that was. But yeah, uh, Andy and I both called it as Zoe, Zayn and Owens winning the match. Uh, so we, uh, Andy's 2 1 up on that one. And we move to the Intercontinental Championship match. Gunther uh, defending against Mustafa Ali. Now, 
to be fair, they gave Ali a little bit more to go with in this match, showcased him a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Gunther, what a champion. Like, yeah. And I think this is this is the dilemma of pro wrestling is we want to, like, I'm going to moan about something that actually I shouldn't be moaning about because it's like, well, I could kind of see that happening. And you're like, well, actually, that's a good thing because Gunther's such a good champion. Why would you want to change? Also, it doesn't make any sense. Why would you want to change that? Uh, and if it was a real sport, he's the best guy. Of course he's going to win. If you see what I mean, of course he's going to win. But yeah, no, loved it. Really great. I mean, I, I'm still expecting him to main event one of the nights at Mania. Um, yeah, makes sense, and, doesn't it? I mean, I'd be quite happy for him to go in as Intercontinental Champion and do what the Ultimate Warrior did at WrestleMania 6 and end up winning both titles and then maybe actually relinquish the Intercontinental Championship. Who, mm. who knows? Um, but yeah, the, the again, and, and I, I don't know why I'm such a mark for this, Ludwig Kaiser's uh, announcing of Gunther. Yeah. Just, it's these little touches that people forget that that's what makes wrestling different. And, and in my opinion, better than all other sports is that you can mm. really have uh, a lot of fun with all the little nuances of things. So like in football, you can't really do these little things because it, it's very much like it, because it's a real sport. Yeah. But at least in wrestling, you can go like, right, we're going to do an announcer that's going to do this. With this wrestler, we're going to do this. So, yeah, I'm with you a million percent. Yeah, it, it's. Um, I, I just I love everything they're doing, and the Gunther name's grown now. Where everyone was all like, "Oh, it still should have been Volta and that." But I, I like. If it you look at the two, like look at now and look at then, <laughs> they are different people. They are. They absolutely. You're, you're spot on. Spot on. Uh, heading now into the Raw Women's Championship match, a championship that needed to change hands. Yeah. Because Bianca Belair's title reign was very, very much uh, well into the going. going stale and a title change we got Oscar this new more aggressive Oscar which everyone's loving at the moment mm-hmm. finally taking the title and uh, I actually really enjoyed this match more than I thought I would um I thought it had a bit of everything uh, I like the fact that they the way that they teased the mist at the ending and, mm. and missing an editing Oscar's you know, spurting it onto her fingers and then putting it into... That was different. That was genius. genius. I love that. And this <laughs> is the beauty of, again, we were talking about production earlier. I think what makes that match... I think when you're watching it live and you're... Just, I don't know about you, but I was getting a little bit bored, going, oh, it's another one of these. Oh. And, but then the, the ending makes you go, whoa, what just happened? And so the production, having that camera in the right position, filming it in the right way, seeing the replay of spit, and then the commentators telling us what's happening, and i.e. like, she's doing this because, all of a sudden now you're like, I'm in this, I'm tight. Yeah. And it's why WWE have been the top for so long. And I, I love the way they're referencing the Great Muta, saying yeah. that she's learned, she's learned it more, more from Great Muta, but that was brilliantly done. Because when she missed with the mist, and Bianca had her up for the finisher. I thought if if Bianca wins this here and then, they've missed an opportunity. Yeah. It's the same recycled BS that we've seen. But putting the, the mist with the fingertip in her eyes and that was just Brilliant. brilliantly done. It was amazing that uh, that, that was. Um, this next match, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't know even know why this even took place. To be honest with you, SmackDown Women's Championship match: Rhea Ripley versus Natalia. It was a squash. Um, yeah, they're doing Natty a bit dirty. I, I, like. I feel like there's a story, there's got to be mm. more to this than meets the eye. 
Yeah, I, I'm in agreement with you because, you know, Natalia, who's been around for a long, she's one of the legit best there is on the in the, the women's division, although she doesn't um, win that often. Um, but we're at, we're getting in. This is what I, I've lately called China syndrome. Uh, what they're doing with Rhea is they've put her, the, the women's championship on, you know, someone who is tougher, stronger, uh, more intimidating than anyone else in the women's division. Essentially, um, they've they've booked it to the point where who who's, who can take the title from her? Mm. That's the thing. Um, it happened with China in 2001 when she won it at WrestleMania 17 from Ivory. Uh, Lita was probably the closest that even gave her any kind of, you know, trouble in a match. And even then she still didn't get close enough. Um, what, what do you see with this? Because, I mean, what were they going to do? Because Rhea is in a very strange predicament, uh, isn't she? She's kind of like, she's... Again, like China, she mixes it up with the men. She's she's not intimidated by the male uh, wrestlers, mm-hmm. but yet she seems to be too strong and powerful for the women's division. Well, what do you see for our future? Where does yeah, she fit? Yeah, this is where I think wrestling can be so good, and, and dare I say, even like the word beautiful, really, where you go, right, you've got this person that's clearly going to win everything, so you can make a new superstar. And then Rhea doesn't get affected because everyone knows that she's the most big, powerful, whatever. But if you had someone on a winning streak, I always go back to the, the sorry to keep repeating my stories, but go back to like the one, two, three kid beating Razor Ramon. There's a great story that came out recently, actually. Scott Hall, um, there was a story about Scott Hall that came out where he was talking about, I think it was an interview back in like 2004 that someone's unearthed. And he was wrestling Chris Jericho on a nitro. And then he was like, yeah, I'm going to beat you in three minutes. And then Scott Hall apparently went, well, that's really boring. Everyone knows that. And then he told Chris Jericho, uh, you're going to pin me. You're going to beat me. And then everyone's going to care. So they did the normal match, blah, 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 told no one. And then Jericho, I think it was a roll-up pin, I think. And then one, two, three, big win. And the logic that Hall had was, I'm going to make Jericho feel more important. And I think the timeline approximately works where out of nowhere, he's now not just a random cruiserweight. He's now a cruiserweight with a personality because Scott Hall said, this guy's quite good. To come back to your rear point, I think that's what they need to do is have some someone ready to go. And speaking from my own experience of not being able to do this, it's knowing who you can go to, to go like, yeah, this is the person that we want yeah. to build, but not make it obvious so create a differentiating factor. So they've got got loads of tons of fantabulous women on that roster. They've just got to pick someone, put a move over or a, a technique over, and then magically Rhea doesn't lose any luster because clearly she's the strongest, biggest, whatever. Yeah. But then you've now made a new champion. Yeah, Sam. I mean, Sam. Again, we, we so we we all know the most devastating move in pro wrestling, the surprise roll up. Oh, uh, I mean, you if you go back to uh, Backlash, for example, see where Cody Rhodes pinning Brock Lesnar, uh, and you go back to WrestleMania mm. Eight, the way Bret Hart pinned Roddy Piper when he was the one in the sleep hold. You know, it is that element of surprise uh, as well. So it is doable. The at the moment, the only female wrestler that I see on the uh, WWE roster that I think could potentially. Um, match Rhea if they go with it is potentially Raquel Rodriguez because mm. she's of a similar size and stature. Um, I, I think that would she would make a very good adversary um, 
uh, for Rhea. But we'll see how it plays up. We will, speaking of Brock Lesnar, we, we will go to Brock Lesnar versus Cody Rhodes match now. Um, Cody Rhodes losing. Uh, I'll, uh, actually, both Andy and I went with Rhea Ripley on that, so we were tired on that one. But yeah, Cody Rhodes. Um, this is a bit of a strange one because a lot of people, uh, including myself, was thinking Rhodes needs to have another victory here, like just to cement it safe from a safety point uh, for his spot. But then looking at it, the way they did it, him passing out and not submitting, the same thing as what Austin did at WrestleMania 13 okay. in the sharpshooter. He didn't submit. It kind of saves him a little bit, but also, also gives Lesnar that that one-up that he needs mm-hmm. as well, isn't it? Um, it feels like this is going to go on longer than expected, potentially SummerSlam uh, being the um, the culmination and the ending of, of this. Um, but with Money in the Bank coming up, uh, and that, I would have thought Cody Rhodes potentially would have been in the Money in the Bank ladder match. Mm, that would make sense, wouldn't it? Um because I think, again, where this is the, again the beauty of wrestling right now. Where do you go? There's just so many stories, and I think talking about WrestleMania 39 quickly. Like, I, I don't get me wrong. I wanted Cody to win, but once he's won and completed the story, now what? Yeah. So I, I think you're right. They're going to have to prolong this. But the question is, do they prolong it to WrestleMania 40? Do we get the same match again? And I, mm. I don't know if we do. It, it makes sense, but. Actually, I think we all agree that the, the Bloodline story became very interesting. And you go, actually, there could be something else that's more interesting. Mm. My gripe with this match was it smelt a bit like Super Cena back in like 2005, where, oh, I've got my arm broken and I'm in a Kimura lock and I'm not giving up. Mm. So to me, and I, I feel bad because I'm a huge Cody Rhodes fan, huge, love him to pieces, will defend everything he does. But what I found irritating was actually it makes anyone else that has ever been in that hold look weak, in my opinion. You had a broken arm, allegedly, and you were able to survive the pain. Well, what about everyone else that tapped out within two seconds? It, like I, because you've you've broken your arm for the purpose that you can give up. Yeah. Like you've got the excuse. You don't need to be super duper Cena, but maybe that's what they're going to go with. It, it it is it is interesting. I mean, the thing is is I mean with with Lesnar, it's kind of like there's not really much else that can be done with Brock Lesnar, True. is there? And you know, uh, but I think with Cody and again. Um, I'm a Cody Rhodes fan. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think WrestleMania next year, I, I keep this, this match keeps coming up to me. Cody Rhodes versus Gunther. Mm. I just, I just, I, I just can't shift that out of the back of my mind that that's what we're going to see on the marquee, you know, whether it be world heavyweight championship, you know, well, it would be because it's raw world heavyweight championship, like Gunther versus Cody Rhodes and Cody, you know, um, them two being the last two in the Rumble this year, um, they both spoke mm. about their respect for each other, how you know uh, how good they think each other are. I just had that feeling that we could see that. But do we really need to see Reigns main event in Mania yet again next year? Or do you think that might be a little one too far and people are going to really sort of groan at it? I, I believe Cody can get anyone into any match. Like I, <laughs> I really like... 
I suppose maybe it's the the all elite wrestling fan in me that's like, yeah, I quite like your style. It's the, there's still something about Cody's matches that feel a bit different than the rest. Um, but yeah, I think he he probably can pull it through. And I and again, who doesn't want to enjoy someone achieving their goal? Do you know what I mean? Like that. I think that. And ironically, if it turns sour i think they've got the best of both worlds so let's say everyone's happy yay we get that if people all of a sudden don't like him great play it for booze i'm doing the thing that you've all wanted me to do and i've finally done it how dare you boo me brilliant i i think if triple h hadn't have had to be forced to retire because of his heart condition i had, i would have almost odds on have put down that cody rhodes would have faced triple h next mm. next year in mania and that had been triple h's final match the reason why i say this is and i've still i'm not saying that this isn't going to happen or it is going to happen but i've just got looking at the segment on raw last week at the end where triple h was sitting down with cody and he just sort of had that smirk as he tapped him uh, you know on the leg and walked out mm. there's this little part of me that's sort of thinking what if triple h is uh the one that actually got Brock to attack Cody mm. in the first place, you know, because let's not forget all the Triple H hating that Cody did in the AEW with the special. Yeah, event. that's true. How great would it be, mm. you know, for Triple H to turn around and say, don't think I've forgotten yeah. the crap that you pulled and the digs you were having at me and, and whatnot, you know. Um, yeah, uh, me and Vince worked to get you back here so I could oversee you know, giving you a full sense of security. Oh, leading you to believe, oh, you've got your, you know, you won the Rumble. You've got made it to the main event WrestleMania. You lost and that. And you think you're going to go straight in for another opportunity. No, I've got Brock mm. to take you out. And, you know, uh, what a, I, I, I like that idea that that's something. But yeah. we'll, we'll see how that pans out. Uh, last but not least, uh, WWE Hall of Famer Trish Stratus versus Becky Lynch. Um, it was an okay match. Um, mm. I think Trish is in great shape. <laughs> um, she she is in great shape. I think she showed uh, a WrestleMania. Uh, I, I actually thought Lita would be in better shape, but it, it was mm. Trish that was in the better shape. Uh, Trish picking up the victory here. Yeah, um, that surprised me. Yeah, uh, well, I toyed with the idea of what who to pick for this, and Andy and I both actually chose Trish as we both chose Cody, so we got that one wrong. But this one <laughs> we were correct on um, because it felt. They obviously, there's a program going on here. They're mm-hmm. going to let this go. I mean, I'm still waiting for Lita's involvement mm. once she finds out that her bestie is, is the one that attacked her and took her out and, yeah. and whatnot. Um, yeah, where do you see this go? Do you see this one going to SummerSlam? It's got to, surely. Like, there's got to, but I don't know what, because I quite like the interference. I quite like mm. the, the ending of that. Again, I was like, ah, oh, because I sort of dip in and out of the WWE content because I just find there's just too much of it. Yeah, and I end up fast forwarding stuff. So, surprise person, cool looking move. Wow, what an ending! Okay, great. Where does this go? So, yeah, it probably does go SummerSlam. Yeah, Zoe Stark, the one that got interfered and cost uh, Becky the match. Uh, someone who uh, our regular viewers and listeners will know uh, Zoe Stark, someone that Andy and I really, really are not fan of. Um, but <laughs> she's on the main roster now. Um, so uh, with that said, that takes uh, Andy to six and me on five. So Andy got the edge on the Night of Champions uh, one. So at the moment, that would mean we are both tied overall. Um, I was going into this one point ahead of Andy as we now go to NXT Battleground, which 
exceeding expectations. Uh, we'll start with the NXT North American Championship triple threat match. Champion Wesley defending against Tyler Bate and Joe Gacy. Uh, Andy and I both got this correct. Uh, we both went with Wesley again. What a run Wesley's been on since becoming a singles competitor. Uh, I know you um, don't have much eyes on NXT very often. Yeah, it, I dip in and out. And yeah. it, I sort of, how can I word it? I sort of come to the, the the special events, if you will. So I definitely don't watch week to week. And it is always quite funny when you go, hang on, you were with, wait, what? It's quite fun not knowing sometimes. Going, wow, you're, you're apparently really good. <laughs> Last time I saw you, you weren't. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. And for that reason, because obviously, I mean, I know you watched it. Uh, I appreciate you watching it because um, you, you don't go, we won't talk too much about the storylines. But um, yeah, it, it was a really good match. I still think Joe Gacy's one of the next ones in line to get a push towards the NXT Championship picture. Uh, one for the NXT UK fans uh, the NXT Heritage Cup. Uh, was featured uh, and up for grabs in a British Rounds Rules match between right. champion Naim Dar and Dragon Lee. I really enjoyed this match. Um, it's really always great to remember how good Naim Dar is when he's not injured. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel bad laughing at that last line. But mm. yeah, absolutely. And I forget how good you can tell slightly different stories with rounds. Like the bell's gone, whack. Oh, I didn't hear the bell. Oh, no. And you're like, yeah. Oh, <laughs> so good. Yeah, Sam Pipkin saying that triple threat reminded me how incredible Tyler Bate is. Again, correct. Uh, Tyler Bate, I mean, you, you just, big strong, but you, there's, there's not much you can't say about Tyler Bate, which isn't already said. Um, it's one of the absolute best. Um, and we are now going to last man standing match. Dijak, not a fan of this Dijak gimmick. I still prefer Dominic Dijakovic. Uh, there is nothing wrong with that. Uh, against Ilya Dragunov, uh, a guy, again, having match of the year in NXT UK against uh, Gunther back then as Volta. Um, one of the best matches I've ever seen. Um, Dragunov taking this one. Um, I do think this has now got to be the end of their rivalry now. Uh, I still think they need to scrap this Dijak gimmick. Uh, <laughs> but it's great seeing these NXT UK stars uh, that have been transferred over to mm -hmm. NXT. And don't forget, we're supposed to be having, towards the end of this year, the NXT Europe uh, launch. Mm -hmm. um, so that'll be very interesting to see how, um, how that all pans out and who goes where, who stays. Um, what the concept is actually going to be, how they're going to work it. Uh, that, that'll be really, really good. Um, NXT Tag Team Championships were defended. Gallus successfully defending against the Creed brothers. Uh, again, Andy and I both called this one. Um, I didn't see Gallus losing this anytime soon. Um, I thought if they were, they were going to drop them to pretty deadly, but pretty deadly now, you know, since their draft onto... Yeah. Uh, to smack down the yes boy. Um, <laughs> uh, the, so for the, the only difference uh, so far is uh, the NXT Her Heritage Cup match. Uh, I went with Nine Dark. Andy went with Dragon Lee on that one. Um, but both of us got Gallus right as we got Dr uh, Dragonov right. Uh, NXT Women's Championship Tournament Final. NXT Women's Championship up for grabs. Tiffany Stratton defeated Lyra Valkyria. Um, I think that was pretty obvious. Lyra Valkyria's got, got a really good gimmick, really cool gimmick. 
But I think uh, NXT were just building Tiffany Stratton. Um, Andy and I both correct on that one. And then it came down to the big one, Bron Breaker, who lost the title to Carmelo Hayes, then said he didn't care about the NXT title because it was holding him back. And it was, uh, and, that, and now he went back to then challenge for the NXT Championship match. I really think that was a bit of poor booking there. But anyway, uh, both of us got this correct. Carmelo Hayes taking the victory. Bron Breaker's outgrown NXT. Um, without a doubt, he, he, he mm. I was amazed he didn't get drafted. Absolutely amazed. I don't know whether that's because of uh, his yeah. daddy's uh, naughty escapades. Um, I don't know whether that's mm. the case. I, you know, I'm, I, I don't know, but he's definitely out outgrown NXT. There's not really much for him. I think take him off TV, repackage him, get rid of the old, uh, you know. Uh, singlet thing that he had the old Steiner looking thing um, give him a little bit more yeah. of a rugged looking and throw him into Raw or Smackdown um, and I think he, he could do good things there um, so with the battleground results uh, Andy got five I got six on them so that's um, yeah so that mm. again puts us tied as we move on to the other big one AEW double or nothing now yeah oh, I know Woo. you're ready for this one um, we, we spoke off air before the show <laughs> Uh, I didn't think it was a great show. It, it, it was okay, but it was a very strange, mm. strangely put together show. It really was. Yeah. I've got go, a theory go for, for you. Okay. I've got a theory. And my theory is the Wembley thing happened. Forbidden Door happened. And then they went, we didn't know we were going to do the, both of those events. And because we got both of those events, we've got double or nothing <laughs> as well. And we've got a new TV show. Wait, what? I think what's happened is that they did have a plan and then out of nowhere, right, you're going to get a new weekly show. We're going to do a show in England and it's going to be Wembley Stadium. So that's going to be our new WrestleMania event. But wait, we were. I thought we were going to do Forbidden Door. Oh no, we are going to do Forbidden Door as well. Wait, what? <laughs> we're going to do two big events within about six weeks of each other. Yeah, that's what we're going to do. And I think that's what happened mm. for this show is that they've gone, ah, we can't conclude anything, or if we can, we can't really conclude it because we've got to fill out all yeah. these other shows. And so, yeah, that's my theory as to why this felt weird because I believe that all, all elite wrestling are the kings of under building but yeah. over delivering on the show. While this was almost the other way round, where you go, ah, that could have been better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's weird, to think. it doesn't feel. Like it was that long ago, the all-in tickets went on sale, and like you think about it, it's it's mm. not far off at all. So it goes to show because normally mm. when you have these events, you book your tickets, so you're waiting months and months and months and months, and you're like, boom, there it is. Yeah. You know, finally it's upon us. But it's really, really close together. I mean, I still can't believe Money in the Bank's only uh, what just coming out a month away, yeah. really. Uh, Man, absolutely insane. Um, yeah, for the record. I feel like Wembley Stadium is a bit like anything you can do, I can do better. They're like, yeah, we're going to do pay-per-view in England for the first time ever. And then clearly Tony Khan's gone, I'm going to do the same, but five yeah. times bigger. Oh, I totally agree. I totally agree. I think WWE missed a, missed a trick with that one. I mean, I'm surprised. Did. Why didn't they just go ahead and just be like, oh, do you know what? We'll do SummerSlam this year. We'll, we'll, get, we'll take it back to the UK. Yeah. All right, you know, it, but no. Uh, that was that's quite surprising. To get on my high horse, it's it's a, it's an example. As you know, I'm big on business. So I love all this kind of stuff, and it's a great example of a market leader take not 
appreciating mm. their audience. So although they did Clash at the Castle, that was still 30 years yeah. too late. And in a weird way, I really like, obviously you want both companies to succeed. Of course you do. But there's the reason why I'm loving this all in thing is that I, I'm so glad that WWE have been caught off guard going, wait, what? There are fans in England? There are thousands of fans in England? Wait, there's Europe? You mean there's people that are going to travel? Because you know as well as anyone else, Stefan, going to WrestleMania. We as European fans spend tons of money on travel and accommodation that could easily be going directly to WWE. So like I've joked with people, I don't know how true my next statement is, that I went to Forbidden Door, spent loads of money on travel went to wrestlemania spent loads of money on travel that money that i was spending on travel i now plan on spending at wembley stadium that all elite wrestling world title is going to be mine i'm not winning in a match i'm buying it from the merch stand. brilliant and we're going and obviously we're going to get the uh the photos on social media of you with your <laughs> with the belt can't uh, wait yeah, like you you have no idea how excited i am by this day it's going to be your christmas day it's it, a million percent and even now, like my my work are joking with me, going, "Oh, here comes Alex all in at Wembley Stadium, Gilbert," because <laughs> all of the time I'm mentioning it, and I don't notice it. But apparently, almost every sentence I have starts or ends with, "Oh yeah, I think that's the week after all in." <laughs> yeah, no, that's two weeks before all in, and they're like, "Don't, yeah. no and one." We've got cares. UKPW you take your it the day before all in. <laughs> the day before yeah exactly That's everything's brilliant. all in absolutely brilliant uh okay so we are kicking it off we had six man tag match action as we had ethan page and the guns versus uh hardy boys and asaya cassidy um it was a mm-hmm. pretty fun match like, I, I thought it was a it was mm. relatively fun match it was all right it didn't set the tone for the rest of the show but it it, it, it was yeah, a good, it was better than i thought it'd be i thought it'd be yeah it, it, you know it just mm-hmm. beat it you know, it'd be an okay match. But. Just, I, I mean, all of the people in All Elite Wrestling, they they all, I always think of it like the football mm. manager games where they've all got the stats to put on really good matches. So when there's not a good match, yes, it throws me off. Yes, as, as someone who is an avid football manager player, um, I can relate to that. Um, yeah, uh, Jude <laughs> Bellingham having a 10-match not performing, so I dropped him. Anyway, um, <laughs> so uh, the, it, it was the Hardys and uh, Cassidy that took that match. Um, Andy and I both got that one correct. Uh, and we're going to go to the unsanctioned match. Chris Jericho versus Adam Cole, baby. Um, mm. I, I, I love Adam Cole. Um, as I said, him and Switchblade mm-hmm. Jay White, my two favourite baby, baby. Uh, my two favourite wrestlers currently in in the world. Um, I'm look at again. We're going to talk about all in. I can't wait to be at Wembley Stadium in front of that crowd and just hear you know what's on about the boom and then ever and just literally the whole of Wembley. <laughs> just, boom! Oh, I get I get goosebumps thinking about it. I really am. Um, Chris Jericho again. You know, putting over talent. Uh, all these people that keep saying, mm-hmm. oh, Jericho's passed it. And he is to an extent, but why should he stop if he's giving good matches to younger opponents and help in building their careers and putting them in a spotlight? Why should mm-hmm. he hang up the, the, the boots? Mm. No, 100% agreed. The thing that took me out of this match was mm. JR's commentary. I really... The, the analogy I'd like to give everyone is JR is what The Simpsons is a parody of what it once was. It was brilliant. Not mm. anymore. Get him off. Ruined it. 
because if you if you were to watch that match again there's a few little jabs where you go hang on who's your employer because it's like he makes a really good point he says a line i think the line is two of the absolute best wrestlers on the planet there have ever been and sabu yeah and you go oh i know what you're saying jl we're all thinking it but don't say yeah it. yeah it's <sighs> JR just sounds tired now, doesn't it? He's country. It just sounds like <laughs> you know, like like, and I and I'm not I'm not crapping on on JR because always love JR, uh, but it he, he reminds me of you know an old person in a retirement home that sits there and they mumble to themselves like s- stories of the past, you know, and things like that. that's yeah. how I feel when I listen to JR now, and it's so sad uh, that that it's got that way. Um, you know, we talk about Michael Cole, who's already said he's in his final years um, before he gives up. Maybe JR's is long overdue now. Um, it'll, it would be such a shame. Um, but Sam's said JR's clearly done with wrestling. And who can't argue with that. That's, uh, you know, that is quite, quite possible. I mean, the Battle Royal, uh, I know yeah. we haven't talked about that yet, but the, the Battle Royal at the beginning, the 21-person blackjack thingamajiggy, like... The rules of that, this is where I do get annoyed. I love AEW and I love that they'll play with conventions. But that was where I think JR lost his patience. Because it's like, what do you mean not everyone's in the ring at the same time? What do you mean people can do top rope dives before they've got in the ring? Like, and I was screaming at the television going, I want to like this. But why have you done a dive to the outside? You're eliminated now. Oh, I don't understand, Stefan. <laughs> it remind, reminds me of the Royal Rumble in 97. Was it Mil uh, Mascaris? Where he eliminated himself yeah. for jumping off the top rope to the outside. Do you know the legit like, reason uh, I, I do remember this. Refresh, because I can't... I do remember... Yeah, there is a... Apparently, it's, it's fairly, new, fairly okay. new news, but apparently it was because he refused to be eliminated by anyone. He's like, I'm not being thrown out by someone. I'll throw myself out. And everyone went, but that's more stupid. He's like, nope. No one is better than me, <laughs> apart from me. I can just imagine Vince, like, just being like, damn Mexicans. <laughs> damn Mexican wrestlers. <laughs> okay, pal. Yeah, oh. Okay, oh, pal. Uh, it wasn't a very good rumble until sort of, like, towards the end anyway. Um, oh, dear. But, yeah, uh, Adam Cole going over. Uh, Sabu randomly inserted into this whole shebang. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> If I was Tony Khan and could afford any wrestler from any era, I would do that. Yeah, Sabu really liked him. Let's get some footage of him. I, do, yeah. I, I was going to say when we were talking about All In, about how it was almost odds on that the first AEW show was going to be at Craven Cottage at, at the Fulham's Grand, owned yeah. by his father. And no, it's yeah. Wembley freaking stadium. It's like, oh, yeah. really? Okay, that's a bit of a difference. Um, <laughs> okay, so then we will go to the 21-man Blackjack Battle Royal for the AEW International Championship. Orange Cassidy was defending. Um, Andy and I actually had this down uh, as if it was going to be one of the surprise announcements. We both thought Miro was going to come in and, and win it. Um, we were ah, incorrect on that one because Orange Cassidy retained. Um, did you enjoy yeah. the match, though? I know you wanted to. Did you? Yeah, like I I love Orange Cassidy and I love all of his nonsense and all of his shtick. Um, the thing I didn't like is I don't like it when there's a, and again, this is the JR point, and I think JR, this is where he lost his patience, where you go, well, I've lost all faith in the match because for some reason you can choose when you get in the ring. 
you can choose when you're eliminated. I don't know. Yeah. So I did. I mean, I, just watching it, seeing people do mad stuff. Great. But from a perspective of actually I'm vested in this. Yeah, it's yeah. a very, very unique concept. Uh, it's very strange to do. Mm. I mean, I can imagine uh, with the, the mind, wrestling mind that you have, um, I mean, I know you and I agree on a lot of things. We've had hour-long conversations before. Uh, you know, just watching matches like that and just putting that and just going, hmm, what can I take away from this which I could potentially implement in UKPW? Yeah. Like, what would be cool if I was to put this on the table and go, what if we do something like this? Because that's one of the things I do love about UKPW under you is you're always willing to say, do you know what? Let's give it a go. If it doesn't work, hey, we'll know for next time. But let, let, And you throw mm-hmm. out some random stuff and just go, wouldn't that be a cool idea if we did that? You know, And, and that's one of the things I, I, I love. Going into the next match, the AEW Women's Championship. Now, Andy and I both had Jamie Hayter to retain. Um, main mm-hmm. reason, I had this, again, fantasy booking as Andy and I like to do sometimes, had this scenario of having Soraya versus Jamie Hayter, the two Brit girls, for the title yeah. at Wembley and having Soraya potentially take the title from Jamie Hayter at Wembley. Mm-hmm. Well, it doesn't look like that. That may not happen because Tony Storm took the title. I know Jamie Hayter's got a little bit of an injury, mm-hmm. so that might be why. Um, mm-hmm. But that was a bit of a, still a bit of a shocker. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, but I think that's, again, maybe an AEW playbook where they go, we know you know, so we're going to do this. And then they go, but then we know that you know that you know, so we're now going to do the opposite of what you know because you know. So we're now going to... And I think they can confuse yeah. themselves. It's like That's what I'm trying to get at, is that sometimes I think they book themselves into a problem because they're trying to avoid something that most of us yeah. don't really care about. Well, maybe that's what we'll get. We'll get a rematch and hate will take the title and then we'll end up with Soraya because I can imagine what kind of reception they would get. I mean, Soraya, she's at Wembley. I mean, she's going to get a yeah. one hell of a, um, a, a, a reception. Uh, I still remember being there at Raw, uh, Monday Night Raw taping at the O2 when... Uh, Paige, when Soraya as Paige turned heel, um, which shocked a, a, a lot of people. Um, Sam Pipkin, Sabu versus Roth for the title. Oh, well. Don't tell me. I'll book it's, it's just, It's just this. We can get the money to get them to get them over. Yeah. Then, yeah, let's. Jimmy yes. Wang Yang. But... Oh, do you know what? I, I, that needs to happen before, before I die. It's <laughs> just going to happen. So two <laughs> matches I always wanted to see. Dow Jones versus the Hurricane and Jimmy Wang Yang yep. versus Fentos. Or even a tag team match, Smart Money versus Jim, <laughs> Jimmy Wang Yang and the Hurricane. Oh, so many <laughs> oh, options. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Um, TBS Championship, Jade Cargill versus Tao Valkyrie. Now, Andy and I was like, this is where Jade Cargill's reign, the streak ends. Taya Valkyrie is a worthy opponent to, to take that. No, but, well, Jade Cargill did defeat Taya Valkyrie, which I can't, this makes no sense to me what they're doing with Taya Valkyrie. Uh, I really don't, don't yeah. understand this. But a returning Chris Statlander comes along, throw down to mm. cha- challenge uh, WrestleMania 9 style. Almost. Yeah. And defeats Jay Cargill. Crazy bit of book in there. Just See now I I weirdly like it. 
because I, again, call me absolutely mental and, and crazy here, but I actually quite like the WrestleMania 9 ending. I mean, I am Mr. Bret Hart. I love Bret Hart. But if you're, if you put fan goggles on for a second and you ignore like convention, you keep seeing the woman win mm. every single time. And we haven't seen Chris Statlander for ages. And apparently her loudmouth manager said, we'll take on anyone. So I quite like that wrestling could go, bam, here's a random person. Bam, she wins in a minute and a half. Why did she win in, a, in less than a minute? Because Jay Cargill yeah. has already been in a match. So I, like, I like that concept. I like that idea. What what I just, what troubles me, I've got no, no issue with Statlander winning it in that fashion. But for me, it is very much of the, well, they built up this whole bringing in Ty Valkyrie, who is, you know, yeah. got a very impressive resume. Um, she is physically a worthy opponent. Um, and like, again, another defeat. It just, for me, it's like mm. you buried her before she's even really managed to stake a claim in the company. It's just, it just seems very strange that that's what they've gone ahead and done. Um, I, you know, when, when I interviewed her back in uh, December, um, I, I did when she was still with Impact, and I didn't foresee this be in the future but mm. we'll see we'll see what happens um we'll go ahead now <clears throat> for the uh tnt championship ladder match wardlow defending against christian cage um wardlow taking that one uh again um i thought that one's a foregone conclusion i think they're building up wardlow versus luchasaurus for a program mm -hmm. um i think it's time, maybe time's passed where I think Christian needs to hang up the boots and maybe just slot into that managerial role because he's got the he's good on the mic. Mm -hmm. He's good in that role, uh, the way he talks on the mic. And uh, I think him in a mental role, managerial role, would suit him very, very well uh, going forward. Christian is low key the best thing on oh, AEW. Not enough. But so, I mean, the the turtlenecks, the fact that he was wrestling in a turtleneck, fantastic. Um, the fact that he had guns, like huge arms still. He did fantastically for the for the part of his career. Fantastic. And I thought the match structure made perfect sense. I really enjoyed that match. I, I liked it. I'm with you. And again, this goes back to my theory about all the extra shows where they've gone, ah, we don't want to do Luchasaurus and uh, Wardlow yet. So what do we do? Well, we've already killed off. We, we can't use Jungle Boy anymore because we mm -hmm. he's in another. Uh, have a match with Christian. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's not good enough. Uh, throw in a ladder as well. Why? Because uh, Christian's really good with ladders. Mm -hmm. Is he though? Because he's always with someone. That was my. Ladders. That's my point. I was having this conversation with someone about it. It was to you know, um, yeah, Christian. You know, they might have thrown the ladders in to make it look like oh, well, Christian's like the you know uh, the master when it comes to ladder matches. Right? And it was like yeah, but they were all tag matches. They, they, he was always with Edge. You know, it's like it's not yeah. quite the same. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Uh, so yeah. that is a good, uh, good. Term. But yeah, Wardlow, Andy, and I both uh, uh, agreed on that one and were correct. Uh, the tag team championships on the line: FTR versus Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Uh, I went FTR because uh, they'd only won the titles back mm -hmm. recently. Jarrett and Lethal was what Andy picked, um, but Jarrett's looking great at the moment. Oh my god, Jeff Jarrett's amazing. Jeff Jarrett is the. Where's the fountain mm. of youth? How does he keep doing it? And also, side note, just because it's going to make me laugh, uh, but I just can't get enough of Jeff Jarrett's. Wee, wee, wee. Can't, oh, I love the music so much. I just can't get enough of it. It's so ear piercingly painful. 
So whenever anything with a guitar happens, anytime, I want Metallica to sample <laughs> that bit of music. Oh yeah, so good. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah, no, he's looking. He's he's been really impressive since he's been in okay. AEW. Um, but FTR, I mean, the thing with FTR, they signed their new contracts, and no doubt they're probably the best tag team in the world. You know, of these these days at the moment, and it's kind of like, well, where do they go? Like. You know, they're at the pinnacle, uh, no pun intended, because they were a part of the pinnacle at one point, which was shortly lived. I actually quite like that theme tune was epic. Um, <laughs> they, they, they're just up here, and it's like, who really is can take those titles from them? That's that's really legit. Uh, and, and I look across, I look mm. amongst the uh, the division, and I think, well, it can't be House of Black because they're focusing on the trios. The Unbucks are doing all the elite stuff. Um, Death Triangle, are they still, you know, dealing with, you know, just doing uh, trio stuff mainly? Where, 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 where's the challenge come from? Mm. You know, it's kind of like they again, they've been booked so high. I can't see who can quite take it from them. That's that's the really interesting thing. I was going to say, with you've had the recent signings. I've completely gone blank on their names now. Aussie Open. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I think it's going to be. I, I think you're right. Like you, the tag division and ma- maybe the Hardys. Mm-hmm. Like maybe they do something really random. Maybe they do it again. Wembley Stadium All In. The reason why I'm so excited by All In is anything is possible. What have they got up there? Well, it's not just that, that slow that, that show don't... though, is it? I mean, you think they they've been teasing stuff uh, for the love of wrestling with progress. Um, you know, we had this whole thing with yeah. Sunshine Machine and FTR um, as well. We, there's been all these different, almost kind of the, the forbidden door of kind of uh, Team AEW and Progress kind of having their little mm. standoffs. And uh, I think Adam Cole was uh, talking about, I can't remember if it was Spike Trevay or whoever. And, you know, mm. and it's kind of like, what if? we get an AEW invasion of progress at all-in weekend. Mm. Could happen. Could absolutely oh, happen. That, that, would be, that would be epic. That, that really would be. Um, so, yeah, I went FTR uh, and Andy went to Jarrett Lethal. Uh, I get that one. And finally, we, uh, we're going to go to um, the Anakin the Arena match. The BBC. Mm. Or BCC, should I say. Uh, I can always say BBC. BCC <laughs> versus the Elite. Um, Andy got this one right. I got it wrong. I, I went with the Elite. Um, Takeshita, Hilton. Out of mm. nowhere. I mean, it was a violent match. It, it delivered on the violence. I mean, the exploding super kick made me laugh a little bit. Yeah, I needed more context yeah. for that. I needed more. Ex- like, I, I love it. And these kinds of matches are my favourites. This is my least favourite of my favourite matches, yeah. if that kind of makes sense. There, there was just... I loved all the nonsense. Uh, sorry, I keep saying that word, but like, I enjoy the, the tax. I enjoy the exploding shoe. Like, why would you not want any of these things? But I felt like... The thing that irritated me, a bit like JR, the thing that irritated me, do you have to keep playing the music? Do you have to keep... You did that at the last Anarchy in the Arena, and it was very annoying. And then this time, you still play. So when they got super kicked, I was very excited by that. Yes, shut up. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember, was it 
Was it Stadium Stampede, the last one? I still remember the uh, <laughs> war of words on the social media between you. And it might have been James Ells or someone. Someone like It was just... The guy was on a horse. <laughs> How, nothing's ever going to beat that. The guy was on a horse. There was a golf cart. A man was run over. Matt Hardy was reborn multiple times. The, it was the best match in the history of everything. Let's all give up. Nothing will be better than that. Oh, imagine if we had Stadium Stampede at Wembley. To, uh, that... <laughs> hey, don't say that because it's so good. <laughs> I, I would still love to see uh, the BCC versus the Elite in, in some kind of match at Wembley. That that that, that would be, be great. That, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You're, you're you're an advocate for for brilliant wrestling, but you're also an advocate for the weird, wacky, fun, stupid. Oh, because yeah, you can't exactly. do it in anything it just, else. Yeah, it's like someone goes, "Why?" You just like because wrestling. That's why they're like, "Yeah, but why?" Because it's re- that's oh, it. Why? It's wrestling. You can get away with it in wrestling. No questions asked. Of course I'm going to put Ortiz's head inside a bell and then ring it. And then he comes out going, oh, my ears. Amazing. Just pure entertainment for his best right there. It's the best match ever. We need to watch along with me watching it constantly going. We're we're going to have to make that happen now. We're going to have to make that happen. (laughs) Oh, dear. It just reminds me of that. Do you remember that? uh, I don't know if you remember that video that went viral year, uh, years ago of that that chubby uh, Asian guy who's uh, under he's preparing his dinner and he's just sitting there laughing like hysterically laughing saying you don't know what it is he's just like that and he's like, <laughs> like that. that is how I imagine you would be watching that match over yeah. again honestly it, the first time I watched it I, it was the oh, best thing I've ever brilliant. seen the the milk with Jake Hager. Oh my god! Anyway, no, sorry, that's, br- that's brilliant. That. No, I, I love it. Um, four Pillars AEW Championship match: MJF defending against oh. with Sammy Guevara and Darby Allen. I lie, Stefan. This is the greatest yep. match I have ever seen. I loved every second of this. Uh, and to jump in straight away, the two things that I really enjoyed: one, all of the moves by their mentors, genius absolutely fantastic part there and the second thing that was absolutely fantastic was the ending oh my goodness was the ending absolutely ah oh, the bell and the landing and then the face and the headlock oh it was so i it's matches like that that make me go no this is why i i love pro wrestling is you in a real sport you couldn't do those things, but because it's entertainment, you can go like, right, we're going to talk about the headlock takedown. We're going to make it a boring move. But the fact that MJF wins with the boring move, ah, it's so I think it was, it was my favorite match of the night. Um, And I, uh, it's broken out in the news that MJF confirmed he, he did uh, hurt his arm um, during that moment. Uh, I don't, think it's anything serious where he's going to miss any TV time. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's hope not. Um, but it, it really, really was. The question is, what now for MJF? Well, what now for all four of them? Because MJF, Andy and I oh, firmly yeah. believe we're going to see Adam Cole versus MJF for the title at Wembley. We think that's going to be the case. We think that's going to be the next you know, big build for the title there. But for Jungle Boy... Where does Jungle Boy go from there, from here? Yeah. Same with Sammy exactly. Guevara. I mean, apart from, you know, maybe missing some time here and there because 
Tame Allen is, is wife's pregnant. Darby Allen, I, I think I could imagine this scenario maybe for Wembley, it might be too soon. Darby Allen turning on Sting, turning mm-hmm. Hill, and then Sting's retirement match is against Darby Allen, and Darby goes over Sting. Um, I, I, yeah. I, th- I, I think maybe that might be something we might get for Wembley. Uh, I think Darby Allen, I think needs a little bit of a shake up now, uh, a little bit of change of direction mm-hmm. now, because um, I, I just. What did you think of his entrance? That that weird vignette at the yeah. beginning. I, I mean, I love stupid, but that was stupid. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've no words. Yeah, here's Elvis <laughs> uh, hovering on his skateboard. Wally, okay, I'm I'm all in on it. I I love, but again, I was like, this is not the character to be yeah, doing. Serious. Yeah, it takes that mystique and seriousness away, doesn't it? Yeah. Um, I don't know who who thought that was a great idea. Maybe he did. I, I have no idea. I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm just saying, I liked it. it yeah, it doesn't make sense. any sense. Um, but I mean, I still think one of the greatest uh, entrances in modern day was, uh, I think was uh, CM Punk's one again against MJF when he come out to um uh AFI his ring of honor thing the way he come out yeah. to that was just wow like talking about a throwback mm. you know if you, I love mm. it when they do something like that which makes you go oh wow that brings back memories and you just go oh they really do for example uh WrestleMania a few years ago when Cena come out as Dr. Fuckonomics against the uh, for the whole thing segment with Elias yeah. When was the last time you had John Cena get a pop like that? You know, there's probably loads of kids mm. there going, huh? What? And then, and then yeah. you know, the, the parents are going, that's the John Cena we loved. That's the John Cena we loved. When they do <laughs> yeah. throwbacks and that, like that, it's just, uh, it, you can't help but love it. But that's, um, yeah, that, that was something really good. Um, so, yeah, on Double or Nothing, Andy and I are both tied with five each, which unfortunately for Andy... Mm. I suppose that me in a way, we're still a stalemate with me still leading by one point. Andy's now on 48 <laughs> points. I'm on 49. So not much changed after all. Um, so, well, oh well. Never mind. There's, there's still plenty to, there you go. to go. So, yeah. So, ladies and gentlemen, uh, as we're saying, UKPW have got uh, a very, very busy uh, summer ahead. The Medway Gaming Festival at the Dockside, the historic dockside, uh, Dockyard at Chat- in Chatham-Kent. Um, head over for, uh, get your, your um, tickets. at. It's from, I do believe, the Dockyard website, uh, which is uh, scrolling on the bottom of your screen, um, which is going to be fun. So we've got Summer Jam and I'm on a Boat, the 1st and the 2nd of July. Simon Miller, uh, we're going to give that one an up. Already confirmed. More surprises. I can't wait. I, I've been working at UKPW for my 10th year, and even I don't know these secrets. So uh, we'll see what happens. And then we've got Tag Your It the day before All In on the 26th of August at Falcon Wood Community Centre. Uh, head over to UKPW.shop for tickets for those ones. And we are... And Alex is is then going to go and get his AEW championship from the merch stand at All In. Um, I can't wait. I, yes, I, can't I wait. am. I really, really can't wait. So, but yeah, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for you guys in the chat room as well, Alex, thank you so much for join, uh, taking the time out to join us and share your stories and uh, all the stuff regarding UKPW as well as what went down with uh, Double me. or Nothing. Um, 
again, uh, I'll say it here because you're a mark for people you know sometimes. I am as well. Um, always appreciative of all the opportunities you've always been giving and continue to give to me. Uh, I look forward to uh, making wonderful things happen this summer. Uh, with UKPW, uh, get your tickets. Head over to all the socials, UKPW, United Kingdom Pro Wrestling on Facebook. Uh, head over to the YouTube channel for, or literally, content is being uploaded all the time. Everything from classic matches to current matches to everything to New Center. Head over to KMTV uh, if you can. We were, we are there every Saturday, uh, bringing you our matches and. and- and before everyone goes, make sure that you re-watch Stadium Stampede and realise the masterpiece of what that match is. Because it's brilliant. Everything is amazing. There's there's a Northern Light suplex the entire way down the stadium. Why would you not? There's a guy on a horse. There's a guy in a golf cart. There's a guy that jumps off from the thing. It's all good. <laughs> I was gonna. <laughs> I was just gonna let you go on a tangent there. And say, no, no, I was. Oh, sorry. Really? I, I was like, no, no, I was done. No. I just went, put myself <laughs> in the background, and let you take the floor. <laughs> go ahead. Brilliant. Yeah. No. Uh, thank you so much yes, for joining us. Match, we yeah. will be back again, I believe, on Tuesday. Andy should be back as well. We will uh, come back with some uh, topics. We will discuss. Uh, no doubt, he'll have some thoughts on uh, this weekend's pay-per-view uh, shenanigans. So until then, head on over to all of the socials, follow us, and follow us as well. Again, when we will, yeah, check us out on the Monday, the day after All In, when we will tell you what it was like at All In and if Alex did get his replica championship belt. I mean, I've got my million dollar belt there, so I've got to add oh, to the collection, absolutely. right? I've got, my tri- I've got my Triple H Big Eagle up here. Uh, Big, you've got up Big Eagle up there, and then behind there, there's an ECW. Uh, and the Money in the Bank briefcase. Wow. Is Dow yes. Jones going to win Money All in the Bank the at the O2? Who knows? Is Dow Jones going to make an appearance oh. all in? Who knows? You heard it Who here knows? first. <laughs> Brilliant. Thank you so much, Alex, for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Uh, pleasure. We will see you guys next week. Until then, we'll see you at the reps. Watch Stadium Stampede. <laughs>